Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Jury selection is set to begin in the case filed by former advice columnist Eugene Carroll. She claims former President Donald Trump raped her in a New York City department store dressing room in the 1990s. And this comes as Trump faces other legal challenges. The district attorney out of Fulton County in Georgia is giving a timeline now for when she will announce whether or not she plans to charge former President Trump and others. It is as soon as this summer. Major shakeup yet three media giants. NBC's Universal CEO has stepped down. Tucker Carlson, a popular right-wing media host, is out at Fox News and CNN anchor. Don Lennon is out after 17 years. Oh, Laura, we have breaking news right now. Uh, breaking news. Aaron Rodgers officially is being traded to the New York Jets. In a trade involving six picks, Aaron Rodgers is going to the New York Jets. It's official. It is happening. Finally, after all this time, we've been waiting for this trade to happen. But the trade is coming down. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. something about Adam Schefter. I can't explain it, but I used to be really close with Adam Schefter. He's like the number one information guy for ESPN now for football. He's gone past guys like Chris Mortensen in the past, guys like John Clayton. There's something about Adam Schefter. I just want to punch him across the face. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because when I was not getting paid for months and months and months at a time, when I was at 640 Sports down in Palm Beach, I went three months without getting a paycheck. Nearly destroyed my marriage, my everything. And um, my, my company, who owned the radio station, James Crystal, was going bankrupt. And Schefter was on once a week, made a couple of thousand bucks. I think we owed him $6,000. And he was making a ton of money even back then at ESPN. And he bitched and complained about his 6000 I didn't get a penny for three months. And we've never gotten past that. That was years ago. But that was Adam Schefter at the end of that open announcing that Aaron Rodgers is officially now a New York Jet. Well, there's so much going on today. 
We have seven great guests. I mean great guests. You want sports? We've got it. Former Nick coach, Jeff Van Gundy. He never goes on New York radio stations, ever. He's not allowed to go on WFAN because he's ESPN. They can't get him. I got him. Knicks and Cavs, game five coming up tomorrow night. So we'll do Jet Van Gundy, the biggest Jet Van in existence, WFAN legend Joe Beningo. He'll also join me in the 9 o'clock hour. So you're set, man. We got it. But there's so much other breaking news. For example, it is official now. Joe Biden has announced he is running for president in 2024. He just put out a videotape. I'm not sure just, but it's out there. So it is official. Joe Biden running for president once again in 2024. I'm getting Justin Ellick to get that tape. So you got that news this morning, which is huge. Then you got my dear friend Joseph Takapina, who was on this show yesterday, last night at about 6.54 p.m. There was a three-way conversation between me, Joseph Takapina, and my other dear friend sitting to my left in studio this morning, Mr. Peerless Borders himself, Pete Morgan. Of course, the three of us sit around and chat during every Ranger game. Takapina, of course, set to go to court. I believe we'll be in court at 9.30 this morning, fighting for President Trump in this E. Jean Carroll deal. She alleges President Trump raped her in a dressing room at Bergdorf Goodman over three decades ago. This is not a criminal case, folks. This is a civil trial. Regardless, President Trump is not here. Joe Takapina is here. Kind of a weird day in that he's probably going to do his opening statement today. He may do it tomorrow, but he's probably going to do it today on the same day that they're going to jury select. That doesn't happen very often. In fact, Takapina made that point on this show yesterday. So let's get right to it. This is Joe Takapina with me yesterday talking about starting the case, opening statements, and jury selection coming up this morning on the same day. Joe Takapina, cut number 10. I've had jury selections in cases with much less notoriety where it's taken weeks to get a juror. But I'm told, I'm told this judge plans on picking a jury within a couple of hours. So right now the plan is to possibly, I should say possibly, open for Wednesday morning. Alan Dershowitz will join us today to talk more about this as well. But before we get to all these stories, again, Aaron Rodgers, now a New York Jet. We'll get to that brutal Ranger loss with Pete Morgan coming up momentarily. Again, Joe Biden running for president in 2024. Takapina in court for Donald Trump today. And, of course, the two biggest stories of the day yesterday, Tucker Carlson, he's out at Fox News. In fact, my uh, friend Brian Kilmeade filled in for him last night. And as Tucker used to call him, Don Lamont out at CNN, that racist piece of garbage, fired finally after 17 years. And that was uh, the big news yesterday. There's your trade for you. The Libs lose a racist in Don Lemon. The conservatives lose the biggest voice and face in television, Tucker Carlson. I mean, I remember, I'm, uh, I'm good friends with a guy named Grant Stinchfield. And Grant was on 8 o'clock p.m. up against Tucker Carlson on Newsmax. And Chris Ruddy and Elliot and all the folks at Newsmax used to get mad at Grant because they felt like he didn't beat up Tucker Carlson. Mind you, Tucker Carlson got over 3 million viewers, and Grant Stinchfield got about 30 viewers. (laughs) 
So Grant one day went to them and said, you guys don't get it. Outside of Donald Trump, the second most powerful conservative voice in this country, it ain't Kevin McCarthy, it's Tucker Carlson. He said, I can't win that fight. I don't even want to try. He respected him so much, it cost him his job. But now Tucker is out too. So, you know, just just when you think that certain people are not replaceable, I say all the time, they can't replace me here. There's nobody in the radio business who's on the same planet as me and hasn't been for a long time. I know you're going to yell about Bernie. I don't want to hear it. Okay? Nobody. And hasn't been for a long time. But guess what? They can find something. I remember Don Imus used to make WFAN and MSNBC millions and millions and millions of dollars. And Don Imus one day was gone. Now, he certainly uh, helped that cause with his stupid remarks about Rutgers and Vivian Stringer and that whole thing. Bill O'Reilly, there was no more powerful TV guy than Bill, not even Tucker, not even Tucker. And then Bill O'Reilly was gone. And now Tucker's gone, and you know, if they want me, they'll get me too. I'm, I'm going to say they. It could be, the, could be the media, could be an advertiser, could be my boss. I don't know. If they want you, they're going to get you. That's the bottom line. It doesn't matter who you are. So all those are huge stories we're going to cover today. But Lou Rafino's back. Lou had uh, the monkeypox. But he okay now. How'd you, how'd you get that, the, uh, the monkeypox? I don't know, but I I feel so much more mediocre. <laughs> yeah. I feel you really, really you, good. you don't look 100%. I'm not going to lie to you. I, there's no chance I'm 100%. Well, you know, I think you're the only person I know that got COVID this late. My wife, Danielle, got COVID very, very late, too. She just got it, like, right before the Tokyo Marathon, like two months ago. She had never gotten it before. You were, of all my friends and family members... The longest running non COVID guy. You and MJ, your beautiful fiance. But now you both had it. Yep. Was it miserable for it's you? Terrible. Really? Yeah, it was pretty bad. But I, I just came out of a, the nap Wednesday when I worked last. Yeah, yeah. Got up, <laughs> came out into the living room. I said, I think we better go. Mm. Go, uh, go to a first. Was she nap experiencing the same symptoms as you? She's, she had other things, coughing. Yeah. And, uh, but what was the worst part? Feel like I've I've had it throat. twice. Sore throat. throat. Okay. That, yeah. It was non. It was would not go away. Mm. And uh, that was something I'd never. I don't think I ever experienced. How's something. your throat now? Uh, fantastic. Me, 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 me. Very good. <laughs> okay. No. So got, what? Good. Any what lingering symptoms do you have now? Other than I hate being here this early in the morning. Uh, no, I love. I love it. Uh, that'll mm. never change. Mm. I just, I'm still kind of uh, coughing. Coughing. I'm staying away from everybody. Like mm-hmm. I'm prone to do anyway. Right. But I, if I if I didn't decide to go get checked, we wouldn't know, and I probably would have just – I wanted to know what I had. Yeah. So I wanted to get an official – because I knew I was not going to make it back in Thursday. You're a much better man than me. But I, I had I, to. I knew I had COVID for the second time. I'd never even bothered getting it checked. I didn't care. Came to work and went to the gym and, and infected everybody. I just don't care. Yeah, well, I realize that. You're yeah. a real team guy. That I is what it is. I mean, if you've got the flu or you've got a cold – the flu is more dangerous than COVID is right now anyway. No one stays home. Nobody gets tested. The sooner we stop this testing nonsense and COVID, the quicker we'll move on. I mean, the flu is much more dangerous than COVID, and nobody goes for those ridiculous measures. So I don't get tested. If I'm sick, I go to work. And unless you're really, really compromised, you're not going to die. 
So you had a couple of miserable days, but you look great. You're back at work. Right. I wasn't going to die. Yeah. I wasn't going to die, but I needed to know what do I have so that I can tell these guys I have the flu. I have stress. Yeah, but here's the difference. But if you have the flu, you can't stay home for five days, even though it's much worse than COVID. COVID, you stay home for five days. That's nonsense. Right. The only reason I was going to stay home was because I can't do my job. No, I'm not. Way. I'm not knocking you. That's, I'm saying I'm society saying. Uh, that allows this to go on. That oh, if you've True. got COVID, you're out for a week. But if you have the flu, you can go to work. How does that make sense? I know. Well, it's going to be with us forever. Makes so you sense. Might as right. Well exactly. It's with well. us. It's here to stay. That's it. We'll talk to uh, Dr. Mark Siegel about just that coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow we've got a huge show. Vivek Ramaswamy. If you don't know who he is, he's running for president on the Republican side, and he's really the reason why Don Lemon got fired. And I've got the audio. He'll join us tomorrow. He's actually speaking tomorrow night at the Metropolitan Republican Club, and that is the same group that awarded me with the Warren Brandeis Journalism Integrity Award last Monday night, Chris Lenzo, Ian, Lauren Condon, the whole crew at the Manhattan Penthouse. So he's going to join me tomorrow, Vivek along with Jim Belushi, the great actor, about last night, and Dr. Mark Siegel. But Pete Morgan's in studio today, and I mentioned the fact that before every Ranger game, we get a three-way chat going, even if Pete and Joe are at the arena, between me, Joe Tacopina, and Pete Morgan. The Rangers, of course, won the first two games in Newark easily, outscored the Devils 10-2, to returned to Madison Square Garden Saturday night, up two games to zero, seemingly on their way to an easy series win. And since then, they've scored a total of two goals, haven't won again since. The Devils have regained home ice advantage. And to say the Rangers are in trouble, Joe Nolan, I know you're happy, may be an understatement. Nothing from number 10, Panarin. Nothing from 93's Abinijad. I said that before the game last night. It remained true. So was it fair to say, Pete Morgan, you were there last night, you were going nuts about the electricity, the energy. You said it was even bigger last night than Saturday. Is it fair to say our Rangers are in big trouble? Yep. Really big trouble. Yeah. And you said it last night in your text. You said, listen, we need something out of 10 and 93. Yeah. We got nothing. Nothing. And and this goalie, who's now he's six foot five, he's huge, huge. So he, there's not a lot of angles on this kid. I don't know why it took Lindy Ruff game three to put this kid in. Not that we've got a lot of traffic in front, but he stops everything. Everything. There's nobody in front of the net. Listen, the Devils are a hungrier team. They just well, they're look, younger and they're faster. Well, they're, yeah. hungry. They, they're hungry. They're hungry. They're battling. They win most of the 50 50. They're faster. The, they're yeah. younger and faster. No, but look at the world. Nobody on the ice can keep up with Jack Hughes. No, nobody. Kid, kid's unbelievable. Nobody. But they're battling for pucks, and the Devils are coming out with them most of the time. Just the way it is. And we took our foot off their neck, like Joe and you and I were talking about. Saturday, we had a chance to put it away and didn't. And here you go. Well, there's another team on the ice, though. Oh. Like, like, in the, that's the thing I used to go crazy with, uh, at the fan would be like, well, we had a chance. Well, there's another team out there that wants to win just as bad. And, by the way, last I checked, going back to the argument with Lou, that team finished ahead of the Rangers Beat the living daylights out of the Rangers during the regular season. So it's not as if, oh, my God, the eight seed is beating the one seed. Right. The Devils were a better team this season than the Rangers. And the betting favorite to win the series. Correct. Yeah. And now it looks like maybe Vegas got it right. Now, look, uh, the home team has not won a game yet. So the good news is two of the last three are on the road for the Rangers. Again, the road team 4-0 and so far in this series. But you're seeing a young 
fast devil team. They get up the ice in two seconds. To me, it looks like the Rangers, they kind of plod their way up the ice. Yeah, they're skating in quicksand, it looks like. I mean, Pat Kane is older, and Kreider is older, and Panarin's older. You know, Hughes is... He's up the ice in two seconds. He's so fast. Yeah. <laughs> That's just unbelievable. Right? It's unbelievable. It's ridiculous. It really is. It's the, you guys should have heard yourself after the first two games. Oh, listen. The, the Rangers. two games, they were completely dominating. They were. Now they look slow. They, they do look slow. They do. They do. All right. They do. They're but they did, they did dominate the first two games. They killed them. They've got Hall of Famers, the Rangers, on every line. But the truth is... The Devils were the better team during the regular season. They owned the Rangers during the regular season, and they've completely shut them down the last two games. Those are all facts, all three of those. So sometimes the big names and the Hall of Famers don't equate to a series win. And and last year we were dominant at home in the playoffs. Yeah, this we, year. We, we look terrible. Yeah, I know. Like, a Saturday night could go either way. Last night was... Well, last night could have gone either way, too. It was 1-1 yeah. with four minutes left. So I thought we played better Saturday night. So did I. Yeah. So did I. Yeah. yeah. Um, Unfortunate. I, I felt like when the Devils got that first goal last night, we were dead. The, we were dead. The building was dead. It was dead. Oh, huh? my God. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so you can go to Jersey for game five? Not a chance. Not a chance. If Joe Nolan said to you tonight, Pete, I've got a, an extra ticket. Come on out there. Rangers are 2-0 on the road this series. Yeah, I, listen. It's uh, No. No. <laughs> Not going there. Yeah. And Jesus, we got to listen to Joe one morning? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Christ almighty. Well, he, no, he, he, I've already uh, told. Uh, is he banned for today? Well, he's not banned, but I'm going to suspend him if he says one one, one thing about the well, Devils. Yeah. He's he, going to be suspended. You know he's going to be playing. I have Lori play a church number. Huh? <laughs> 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 oh, oh, look at the two of them. Yeah. They're getting ready to get, uh, get to, for the loss. We deserve it. <laughs> we deserve it. You know, we, we counted them out. Any logical person would. But that's the beauty of sports, you know? Yeah, you got to play the game. All I know is I asked Joe Beningo yesterday. I said, Rogers is now a Jet. Now, you got to know this about Joe. I worked with Joe 23 years ago, 22 years ago. This guy, the sky is always falling. Everything's a disaster. It doesn't matter how good his teams are playing. You'll never hear Joe upbeat about anything. Something has happened to Joe Beningo. Maybe he's dying. I don't know. But the whole conversation yesterday was the Knicks are not that far away from winning a championship. Oh, my God. You believe this? And I said, and now the Jets get Rodgers. Are they a Super Bowl contender? And his answer was yes. Those are two things you never thought you'd ever hear from Joe Beningo, who will join us coming up at 925. You've got two amazing sports guests in the 9 o'clock hour, Jeff Van Gundy and Joe Beningo. Both here in the 9 o'clock hour. Two things you'd think you'd never hear from Joe Beningo. He said them both, although I will tell you this. It was a 15-minute phone conversation. Twelve of those 15 minutes, Donald Trump. Oh, jeez. Trump's got to win. Is that a disgrace If he doesn't what? win, this country's a disaster. I'm leaving. I'm, what are, are we going to do? What are we going to do? <laughs> I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm leaving. Where, how's he going, right? Yeah, exactly. He never left Jersey. He's, he's, going, he's going nowhere. <laughs> he's going nowhere, yeah. But he's, he's crazy about Donald Trump. He's nuts about it. He said he'll take DeSantis, obviously, but Trump's got to win. He's lost his mind. And plus, with all the good things happening with the Jets, he's a huge Ranger fan. Oh, we talked about the Rangers, oh, too. Yeah, he yeah, did yeah. say that it was a, a must-win last he's night. Got the, he's got the uh, roller coaster ride here now. 
Yeah. Jesus. Well, it's exciting, I'll tell you that. I mean, it, 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 it's a rough loss. If you're a Ranger fan, if you're Nolan, you're in a great mood. But, again, between the Rangers and the Knicks, the Isles are just about done tonight. But Rodgers to the Jets, Mets and Yankees, still very good baseball teams. Lots of exciting things going on in sports. And, of course, the biggest of all, this Friday night, Staten Island, New York, it is season two of Staten Island Ferry Hawk Baseball the uh, team owned by John and Margot Katsimatidis, year one for Homer Bush. After Edgardo Alfonso managed the club last year, Kelsey Whitmore, young lady, back with the Ferry Hawks this year. And uh, that all gets going Friday night, opening night in Staten Island for the Ferry Hawks. All right, the number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. The great Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. He's in studio this morning. Lou Rubino, sweet Lou, back behind the glass, looks miserable. <laughs> He's got his head in his hands like Richard Lewis. Woo! And a huge guest list today, 705 Frank Morano. Coming up at 740, my man Bo Deedle. 805 on the Trump Takapina trial today, Alan Dershowitz. 840, she actually started the group Moms for Liberty, this book band group. It's a tremendous guest. Tiffany Justice, 905, former Nick coach Jeff Van Gundy, 925, WFAN legend Joe Beningo, and 940 from the New York Post, Michael Goodwin. All that just today on New York's favorite talk show. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Let's do this. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. People talking and they're saying that you're leaving. So unhappy with the way that you've been living. Election is set to begin in that defamation lawsuit today. E. Jean Carroll once again saying that Donald Trump raped her over 30 years ago in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room. CNN can't say it enough this morning. Trump denies it and says, quote, she's not my type. <laughs> that was a little unfortunate, but you know what he meant to say. Anyway, there is no Don Lemon sitting there this morning. It is three females. CNN doing their morning version of The View now. Caitlin Collins, well, it's actually two females. They've got a guest on right now discussing the Donald Trump case. Once again, we did have Joe Tacopina talking about this case yesterday and coming up at 8.05 this morning. The great constitutional lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, 
He'll discuss it as well. And all these stories we have to get to on seven great guests. I mean, great guests. Today. Once again, Frank Morano, Bo Deedle, Alan Dershowitz, Tiffany Justice, Jeff Van Gundy, Joe Beningo, Michael Goodwin. But we have to get to the big announcement this morning, and that is that the current president of the United States, Joe Biden, after promising you for months he was going to run again, has now made it official this morning. It is a three-minute video, three minutes, but Joe Biden did release it this morning. It is official. Your sitting president, Joe Biden, is running once again in 2024. And here's what the video sounds like. Freedom, personal freedom, is fundamental to who we are as Americans. Jesus. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a revolution. To protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms. Cutting Social Security that you paid for your entire life while cutting taxes for the very wealthy. Dictating what health care decisions women can make. Banning books and telling people who they can love. All while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America, and we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead, we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. This is not a time to be complacent. That's why I'm running for re-election, because I know America. I know we're good and decent people. I know we're still a country that believes in honesty and respect and treating each other with dignity. That we're a nation where we give hate no safe harbor. We believe that everyone is equal, that everyone should be given a fair shot to succeed in this country. Every generation of Americans have faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. And this is our moment. Why was he whispering uh, at the end there? It sounded like, I don't know. Were you inspired, Pete Morgan? 
Actually, I took a nap. <laughs> I think he was taking one as he was talking. Yeah, oh, jeez. Yeah. How many? How long did it take to record? Three that minutes. Oh, oh, must have taken forever to record it. Yeah. He's the king of the abstracts. He loves to use, you know, words, just words, phrases, you know, unify, and he says all these freedom. things and freedom. You know, freedom. Freedom's a big deal, right? Freedom to love the person you want to love, and that was so bad. Aye, aye, aye. That was, what a mess! Well, that's because his dad in the nineteen like forties <laughs> right, told him Joey. Told him Joey, they love each other. Yeah, when the yeah. two grown men in in <laughs> right. uh, business suits were kissing. Right, right, right. And he said, "Joey, let me tell you something, kid." Yeah, like any father back then would say that. I don't even want to tell you what my mother would say. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! No. We can guess. <laughs> yeah, but that's the way it was. He's such a liar, Joe Biden. He's lied about everything. And now he's a bigger liar than he ever was. I mean, he lied basically for 30-plus years. Now he's a bigger liar. So there it is. You don't have to watch the video now. Joe Biden is running for president. That is his three-minute video. We'll play it one more time later in the show. Cover your eyes, Joey. <laughs> Why? Joey. And we have to. He's the president. It's a big deal. You know. The music was good. At one point, I thought they... Put in some Van Halen right here or right now. What's the name of that song, Lewis? It's a lot. It's a lot of Van Halen, Jack. Sammy Hagar. But anyway, uh, we got all these great guests coming on. But we play that later. We do have traffic with uh, the very happy New Jersey Devil fan Joe Nolan this morning coming up. But right now, it's time for the seventy-seven WABC Minicares clip of the day. Get the whole story in under ten New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's mini-cast is from the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Frank, by the way, set to join me coming up at 7.05. Here he talks. Look at this guy. Former actor. I know this guy. He was in uh, Scarface. Also was a teacher, a professor at Brooklyn College. This is Frank Morano with F. Murray Abraham. And the media is putting it in these headlines. F. Murray Abraham fired for sexual misconduct. This is such a I don't even I don't even possess the vocabulary for describing what I think this is. It's 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 a sham of a mockery and a mockery of a sham is what it is. Unless I'm missing something and unless F. Murray Abraham and the people that have spoken out about this aren't telling the full story, because I think this is just idiotic, if you'll pardon my saying so. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Again, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. And after weeks upon weeks of waiting and wishing for Jets fans, their dreams have finally come true with the news that Aaron Rodgers will indeed be under center for Gang Green this upcoming season. Yesterday, the Packers agreed to deal the superstar quarterback and their 2023 first-round pick and a 2023 fifth-round pick to the Jets for New York's 2023 first-round pick, a 2023 second-round pick, a 2023 sixth-round pick, and a conditional 2024 second-round pick. That becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps this season. The blockbuster comes 40 days after Rodgers announced on the Pat McAfee show that his quote-unquote intention was to play for the Jets in 2023, forcing negotiations between the Jets and Packers to dominate the NFL headlines in the weeks thereafter. Now for local action last night, as you just heard, we'll begin here on the ice where we saw the Rangers' momentum in their opening round playoff series against 
against the rival Devils completely switch hands in the form of a 3-1 to loss to New Jersey in Game 4, effectively making the Blue Shirts' dominating start to the series a distant memory now that things are suddenly knotted at two games apiece. With the win the, uh, for the Devils, New Jersey now retains the home ice advantage as the series heads back to Newark for Game 5 set for this Thursday night. The Islanders have Game 5 of their series with the Carolina Hurricanes set for tonight at 7 p.m. in Carolina. They'll be working to hopefully dig themselves out of a 3-1 series hole. And finally on the diamond, the Yankees fell 6-1 to in their three-game series opener in Minnesota against the Twins. Johnny Brito, man, he just stinks out there. He was once again underwhelming on the hill for New York, unable to get himself out of the second inning, while the offense was nowhere to be found either en route to the bomber loss. They'll try and rebound in the middle game tonight. It's set for 7.40 p.m. Eastern time. Nestor Cortez getting the ball against Minnesota's Joe Ryan. As for the Mets, they're set to welcome in the Washington Nationals for the first of three tonight at 7.10 p.m. They've yet to name a starter to go up against Washington's Josiah Gray. Here was sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, pavilion to find a dealer near you because they're the world's best-built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellicott, 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Spectacular. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up. Boy. From my friends, the star of the show. Oi, oi. I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oy, this oy. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. I think I'm kidding. I'm not. God. so bad. Great song, Sammy Hagar, right now, Van Halen. If Biden didn't make those comments right before he started talking about dead shooting victims, like literally the very next sentence, his uh, favorite ice cream, for some reason, he thought would be a good segue into dead kids. And that same guy, Joe Biden, has officially announced, officially now, with a three-minute video that we played here on the Sid Rosenberg show just moments ago, he's officially announced he is running for president once again in 2024. So Trump, who's also running for president, looking to become only the second president ever, Grover Cleveland, the only other, to win twice but not consecutive terms. Trump looking to be president number 45 and 47 he was on a Greg Kelly show last night. I think Kelly was on 9 o'clock on Newsmax instead of 10. Was he on 9 o'clock every night? I don't even know. I don't watch. Well, he's usually on it at 10, but I guess he was on it 9. I guess. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I haven't started um, doing my Greg Kelly uh, <laughs> portion of the day. Yet. Well, he did have Trump yesterday, <laughs> and we'll play some of that this morning. But, of course, the Internet went nuts yesterday afternoon when it was made news that Fox News had parted ways with Tucker Carlson. He was fired, bottom line, parting ways, mutual agreement. No mutual, folks. Nobody gives up over 3 million nightly viewers and all that money and all that prestige and exposure. 
You know, remember when I yelled at Andrew Giuliani for knocking on the desk? That was the day after Carlson played those tapes that he got from Kevin McCarthy. And you remember I said, look, I would do the same thing. All that was was an exercise in, look how big my penis is. I got the speaker sending me tapes. But I made it very, very clear that day that he had exposed nothing, nothing. He played about 40 seconds of 64 million minutes of video. If anything, he did his listeners and viewers a disservice. He certainly did the Republican Party a disservice. He tried to explain that to Andrew. He didn't want to hear it, but that's fine. But I didn't realize that the Fox newsroom refused to play any of that video, and they were really pissed at Tucker even back then. So I guess it's been an ongoing thing with Tucker at Fox. I I don't know exactly if it's a Dominion lawsuit that got him fired or not. I know one of his producers, I think, filed the suit on Friday. But either way, Harris Faulkner made it public yesterday on Fox News in the afternoon that Tucker Carlson was out. And here is her announcement. This Lou Rapino is cut number six. Harris Faulkner on Fox News. Bye-bye, Tucker. We have some news from within our Fox family. Fox News Media and Tucker Carlson have mutually agreed to part ways. Tucker's last show was this past Friday. And starting tonight, Fox News Tonight will air live at 8 p.m. Eastern. It will be an interim show with rotating Fox News personalities until a new host is named. We want to thank Tucker Carlson for his service to the network as a host and prior to that as a long-term contributor. Now, make no mistake, there's nobody on television as good as Tucker. It's not even that close, kind of like with me in radio. I mean, Hannity's not even close. And I'll tell Sean that right to his face. Tucker Carlson, since Bill O'Reilly left, distinguished himself far and away as the best on TV. But, as I mentioned earlier, whether it's Don Imus at WFAN, Bill O'Reilly at Fox News, or now Tucker, everybody's expendable, even the ones that aren't. It wasn't that long ago where somebody would have said, Fox News will never get rid of Tucker Carlson. And, of course, all the fans got fired up. We're going to boycott Fox News. We're going to boycott. It's always the same nonsense, you know. It's like when Ray Rice punched out his girlfriend in an elevator, and everybody said, I'm never watching the NFL again. I'm done with the NFL. And now the NFL is more popular than ever. Or after the bubble season in the NBA, I'm never watching the NBA again. I'm done with it. And now the NBA is starting to get back just a little bit. So when people start to yell and scream, very, very, very few mean it and are in it for the long run. Most people just go back to what they ordinarily would do, and that is watch Fox News. So whether it's Tulsi Gabbard or last night Brian Kilmeade or whoever they put there, that's where they're going to go. They're not going to start watching Newsmax. (laughs) Forget about it. I know right now Chris Woody probably thinks, oh, I got an opportunity here, and he probably does, but they're not going to get anybody good enough to, to take that slot. They're just not. So... The Fox News people, who are furious this morning, are not going to be that furious. I mean, I watched The Five yesterday. You've got Harold Ford on there. Harold Ford is as liberal as it comes. And it's not like Judge Janine and uh, the unfunny Greg Gutfeld 
and Daniel Perino, it's not like the rest of them feed him up the whole time. It's like four on one. He says what he wants to say, and nobody stops him. And you have plenty of those characters now all over Fox News. But you knew this. Between 8 and 11, between Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram, if you're a red-blooded conservative American, you got what you wanted. Now the onus is on Fox News to do that again. It ain't going to be Brian Kilmeade. He built in last night. That poor bastard. They got him on Fox and Friends. They got him on One Nation. He does a radio show. I mean, Brian Kilmeade does everything. But if you missed it, here was Brian filling in for Tucker Carlson last night. And not exactly a very ceremonious goodbye to Tucker. It was about nine words. Here's what it sounded like. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Fox News Tonight. I am Brian Kilmeade. As you probably have heard, Fox News and Tucker Carlson have agreed to part ways. I wish Tucker the best. I'm great friends with Tucker and always will be. But right now, it's time for Fox that's News uh, Tonight. Uh, not that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not exactly. It'll be the same for me. I mean, that's, how, that's just how it goes. Yeah. You know, you don't get all these beautiful tributes unless you die, like my dear friend Bernard. You know, then you get a month of beautiful tributes. But otherwise, it's okay. Thanks for the memory. See you. Yeah. Who's next? Who's next? Uh, do you watch Tucker? Uh, once in a while. Yeah, not really. Not your thing. No. You're watching the Rangers or the Mets or, or the Yankees. Like most are. Uh, or Yankees, right. Like most are. Uh, real yeah. men. Yeah, Maureen, Maureen likes to turn it on sometimes for the... the she doesn't watch that. She's watching Real Housewives of New Jersey. No, no the below deck. No, below deck she likes. <laughs> yeah. So Greg Kelly did get uh, President Trump to talk about this Tucker Carlson firing. Tucker was always good to Trump, but I did read something online yesterday where they said Tucker Carlson would say really nice things about President Trump on the air and then off the air send texts to friends and family and go, boy, Trump's a dick. That's what I read yesterday. I have no idea if that's true. But anyway, here is uh, Trump uh, with Greg Kelly on Newsmax saying he was shocked. I wasn't, but he was shocked to hear the Tucker. How can you be shocked? Folks, Fox News just lost a case in court to Dominion Computers on Friday that cost them $800 million. $800 million. Plus legal. Right. What are you shocked about? Tucker Carlson ain't making that, he ain't making that money up. Anyway, here is a Trump with Greg Kelly, cut number five. Well, I'm shocked. I'm surprised. Uh, he's a very good person and a very good man and very talented, as you know, and he had very high ratings, so... Uh, we're just learning about it almost as we speak. You and I just said, wow, that was something. That's a big one. Uh, I don't know if it was voluntary or was it uh, somebody fired, but I think Tucker's been uh, terrific. He's been, especially over the last year or so, he's been terrific to me. He has been, no question about it, but that was only one of two that went away yesterday, the conservatives losing Tucker Carlson, and the liberals losing their racist morning show host on CNN, Don Lemon. You're going to find out why Lemon really got fired yesterday. And it goes back to an interview with somebody we're going to have on this show tomorrow that was on with Don Lemon Friday morning. Keep it right here. Sid and Friends continues right after this.
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. My man, Audie Idala, checks in. He says, uh, Shepard Smith got to leave on his own terms and got to say goodbye. And I love Artie. Right there with Takapina. Best attorney in the country, but Shepard Smith, really? I'm talking about legends, icons, greats, Don Imus, Bill O'Reilly, Tucker Carlson. I know you're friends with Shep. I get it, Artie. I get it. You left out to the whole thing. And I like Shep. Was a bit too much makeup for me, but I like him. But, uh, no, I'm not going to put Shepard Smith in that category. Got to say goodbye. I do want to get to this uh, lemon thing. Vivek Ramaswamy is, I think he's going to join me tomorrow, I believe. He's going to speak, as I said earlier, at the Metropolitan Republican Club tomorrow night, the same group that gave me that journalism award last Monday at the Manhattan Penthouse. And Vivek was on CNN's morning show last week with Lemon, and they're going to do it pretty good. Lemon not that far removed from his idiotic comments about women being past their prime, talking about Nikki Haley in their 40s. And that was really bad. And I guess this exchange, where he was really disrespectful and played the old, I'm black, you don't know what it's like until you're black, that nonsense, which nobody wants to hear. That was the end of it. So if you missed it last week on CNN, this is Lemon and Ramaswamy. And most people believe, if you read the tabloids today, that this was the straw that broke the camel's back. This was the reason why Don Lemon finally, after 17 years of racism, got fired. Cut number nine. So With due respect, I find, I find your explanation reductive and actually insulting, including to black Americans, to say that black people today compared to 1964, 1865, haven't made progress in part because of the freedoms we secured. And the Second Amendment was Black part of the Hang on, that please. Freedom. I cannot keep a thought if you guys are talking to me in my ear. So uh, hang on <laughs> a second. So to say that, that black people, say, say what you said again. Black people secured their freedoms after the Civil War. It is a historical fact, Don. Just study it. Only after their Second Amendment rights had, were secured. They were not fact. secured their freedoms after the Civil War. That is not, you're, you are discounting uh, uh, Reconstruction. You're discounting a whole host of things that happened after the Civil War when it comes to African Americans, including the whole reason that the Civil Rights Movement happened is because black people did not secure their freedoms after the Civil War and, and that things turned around. People would, tried to change the freedoms that were supposed to happen. And you know how they the got it? They got their Second Amendment rights and they actually got the NRA played a big role in that. But today, down the The final, NRA did they, not play a big role. They trained black Americans how to use firearms. That's a lie. That's not. The NRA did not play a big role. This is just historical fact. But not historical fact. The part that I find because you say it's historical fact. The part that I find insulting is when you say today black Americans don't have those rights after we have gone through civil rights revolution in this country. You are sitting here telling an African American about the rights and what you find insulting about the the way I live, the skin I live in every day. Here's where you and I have the freedom that black and white that black people don't have in this country, and that black people do have. Well, here's where you and I have a different point of view. I think we should be able to express our views regardless of the color of our skin. We should have this debate without me regarding views, you as a black man, but me regarding you as a fellow citizen. That you're That's sitting what I think here, we whatever ethnicity you are, explaining to me whatever ethnicity about I'm, what it's like to be black Whatever America. ethnicity I am, I'll tell you what I am. I'm an Indian American. I'm proud of it. But I think we should have this debate. Black, white, doesn't matter. I think we should have this on debate on the content of the ideas. If you're going to do it, you should do it in an honest way and in a I fair think, way. And what you're doing is not in an honest and fair way. 
Okay? We, we, we appreciate you coming on. With Thank due for respect, Don, I look forward to continuing that conversation. Thank you. Thank you. What a racist jerk-off, a racist, disrespectful jerk-off in that little piece there. He managed to call Vivek a liar. If I hear one more black person tell me, you don't know what it's like because you don't have my skin, Don Lemon has made millions and millions and millions of dollars. Millions. You don't have it, Ruff. Okay? Boy, am I sick of that. I'm just about sick of everybody. Pretty much, pretty much just because he's black. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so. uh, the new America is, if you are black, now you're the man. Good luck finding a white guy like me in commercials these days. They got no use for us. Give me a million black guys. Give me a couple of Asian guys. But white guys who make up the majority of this country, who make the most money, work hard, we don't matter anymore. And Lemon's got the bonus. Yeah. He's gay. And he's gay. He checks two boxes. You're right. Well, guess what? Now he checks three. He's also fired. (laughs) (laughs) Big 7 a.m. hour about to come your way. Frank Morano, Bill O'Reilly's morning message, and Bo Dietl. And don't forget, still to come, Alan Dershowitz, former Nick coach Jeff Van Gundy, WFAN legend Joe Beningo, and Michael Goodwin of the New York Post. It's a monster Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Hour number two about to come your way. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Two of my favorite people ever are Laura Curran and Peter King, two Long Island, Nassau County greats. And they're both great and they're both much smarter than me. But my God, was that swell. Zelensky, a hero. He's a creep. Jesus. But I do have to send a shout-out to uh, Peter because Peter, as we speak, I believe is still laying in a hospital. But I got a call from Melissa Zim, the great Melissa Zim, yesterday morning that Pete had gone for an endoscopy or a colonoscopy, one of those scopies, and they found a tumor, a malignant tumor, in his stomach. I believe it was just last Friday. So they had to rush him into surgery yesterday. I've got two or three pictures of Pete giving me the thumbs up with wires. I mean, uh, you know, not wires, um, uh, tubes everywhere and laying in a, ho- in a hotel, in a hospital bed. And uh, he's okay, and he's going to be okay. And they believe they got the whole tumor, which is great news. And we love Peter King. Peter and I, we fight all the time, but he's the absolute best. I love him. And he is scheduled to be on tomorrow. I haven't heard from Melissa today where he is in that, but I don't care. As long as Pete's going to be okay. So hopefully he's having a better day today than yesterday. But uh, as far as I know, they removed the whole tumor, and he's going to be okay. And I'm hoping that Peter will join us for his regularly scheduled appearance coming up tomorrow and every Wednesday at 7.40. I will update you as soon as I hear from Peter and or Melissa. Also, by the way, the first week of April came back 7.1, actually down. How do you go down to a 7.1? But we did. We went down because I was in London those uh, three days, the first week of April. So 7.1, still a humongous Humongous number as we continue 
to go nuts in the ratings the last couple of months. My next guest also does very well in the ratings, very well. I think he comes up with 12 or a 12.5 doing overnights. It's a great show, The Other Side of Midnight, on before me every weeknight. And on with me now once a week because he's terrific. It's my good friend Frank Morano. Frank, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sig. Good morning, Pete. It's great to be on. Thanks for having me. It's a real honor. You got it, buddy. So I'm looking at the uh, the TV out of my left eye. MSNBC is talking to a guy named Jim Rutenberg, and he's a writer at large for the New York Times. The L.A. Times printed this morning, Rupert Murdoch forces out Tucker Carlson. There was nothing mutual about this, and all the press said they parted ways mutually. Nonsense. He got fired. What are your thoughts on Carlson out at Fox News? Well, yeah, I mean, I think your analysis is exactly right about there was no, oh, let's go our separate ways kind of a deal. A Wall Street Journal also reporting today that Lachlan Murdoch and Suzanne Scott had made the decision to uh, get rid of him on Friday. And if they would have told him on Friday, he would have gotten a chance to say goodbye to his audience. But Carlson, apparently, according to the Wall Street Journal, found out just 10 minutes before the rest of the world yesterday. So it was overtly disrespectful. What is interesting is the other fellow you've been talking about, Don Lemon and Tucker Carlson, they apparently have both retained the same entertainment lawyer to represent them, Brian Friedman. So uh, I don't imagine we're going to be seeing a a Carlson and Lemon or (laughs) Lemon duo coming to a a cable news outlet anytime soon, but who knows? I guess stranger things Well, you know, what's funny about what you just said is, you know Tucker would always crush Don Lemon, call him Don Lemon. You know if Tucker was still on, he would have started last night with the firing of Don Lemon. Oh, no no doubt about it. And I think part of the reason CNN chose to act yesterday in terms of the timing is because everybody in the world is talking about Tucker Carlson today. So this was a way for them to kind of maybe not slip this uh, Don Lemon uh, firing under the radar screen, but nobody's talking about Don Lemon today. We, we've we just had more conversation about Don Lemon than he's going to have <laughs> the rest of the world yeah. today. But ultimately, I think this is a bad situation for Fox News. I I think at least in the short term, you're going to see a a bit of the audience go away. You saw what happened with the shareholders yesterday. The stock price is down $500 million in in value. And I think it's real disappointing. Tucker was, as you said, the most talented guy in cable news, but he was the most successful, at least on currently number one in all of cable news. I think it's a big mistake for them. But ultimately, I think it's going to inure to Tucker Carlson's benefit. I think he'll do what O'Reilly He's done and Joe Rogan and uh, uh, Megan Kelly and uh, you know Alan uh, you know yeah. uh, Alan Barrons all, all these I mean, don't, don't forget Glenn, 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 Glenn Beck. Greenwald oh Greenwald um, Glenn Beck right, right. But, I mean um, the they, last time he got guys, fired the last time he got fired he started the Daily Caller which turned out to be very successful for Tucker but while I am lamenting Tucker's firing because I do love him and as I've said you just repeated it he's far and away the most talented guy on TV he did lie. And uh, this whole January 6th nonsense and the whole Dominion thing, excuse me, January 6th, the whole rigged election stuff. I mean, you want to tell me that the uh, election was rigged because they suppressed Hunter Biden stuff? I'm all for it. But I know I had had these same discussions with my late partner time and time again. The election was rigged, and I never went there. I just didn't go there. And Tucker knew better. So while, yes, it's unfortunate It's not going to go well for Fox News. Maybe Tucker deserved better. 
He should have known better. He, well, he promoted a lie. Well, what specifically in the Dominion lawsuit or in his on-air commentary do you feel that he did on-air which was overtly dishonest? Well, I think uh, calling out Dominion for the machines and rigging the well, election what did he say? just what wasn't did he true. Have, what did he say exactly? Well, I don't have the exact quotes in front of me. Well, because the if you he actually helped Fox significantly with his on-air commentary by saying publicly that Sidney Powell was full of it and ha- should have no credibility. The one thing that came out in the Dominion lawsuit was the fact that uh, Tucker said of one of the straight news reporters when she tried to fact-check someone on Hannity's program, why does she still have a job? Now, he said that in a private text message. But if this was about Dominion, then Maria Bartiromo would be out, Janine Pirro would be out, and the most important person who would be out is Suzanne Scott, the CEO, because we know she was making the decisions about how to handle this coverage. So I don't think it's a Dominion issue directly. I, they may not have been pleased about some of the things that uh, Tucker was saying about Fox uh, that came out as a result of the discovery in the Dominion case. But I think uh, Tucker didn't say anything on television that went over the line, uh, certainly not compared to a lot of his colleagues and Suzanne Scott. And ironically, I think, why did the Dominion situation happen? The Dominion situation happened in part because they Fox News made the call on election night to call Arizona with a lot of conservatives believe was too quickly for Biden. Turned out that was the correct decision, but a lot of conservatives felt that it was premature. So there was a significant portion of that hardcore Trump base that abandoned Fox News for OAN and News and uh, yep. Newsmax. Yep. And so then Fox overcorrected by kind of uh, overplaying right. all the uh, ultra right wing conspiracy theories, and that's how they got in trouble. Now you have a situation again where the stock price is down five hundred million dollars, uh, the market value of the company is down five hundred million dollars, and I think you may see a similar exodus of people from Fox News. You already see people canceling their Fox Nation subscriptions yep. um, to these right wing outlets, and I think Fox may do something even more crazy to get back the their crazy. I did read the Rolling Stone column yesterday after. He got fired, and uh, they made it a point in Rolling Stone to say that people at Fox News were celebrating. They made Tucker Carlson sound like a real ogre to work with and work for. And his producer, for example, filed a suit, I believe, I believe against Tucker and others just last Friday because she was fired. And she claims that she was uh, told to lie, to lie for Fox News. But Rolling Stone did make the point yesterday that while the public is upset today, the conservative public, that people at Fox News are rejoicing because Tucker was, quote, impossible to work with. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea if that's uh, true or not. I mean, if you look at some of the board members uh, at the Fox News, people like Paul Ryan, I don't doubt that that's the case. I mean, uh, Tucker is putting, I mean, it's Howard Beale and Network all over again. Um, Tucker Carlson is putting out a narrative very contrary to where the Murdochs are right now, to where Paul Ryan and the board members and where some of the shareholders at Fox who filed their own lawsuits are right now. As far as that Abby Grossberg uh, lawsuit, I don't think, you know, Fox gets sued all the time. And 
I don't think that uh, Rupert Murdoch would be cowering because uh, Abby Grossberg is uh, claiming that uh, some of Tucker's producers are, um, you know, are saying misogynistic things. I also, and you're on Fox uh, frequently, certainly much more so than I am, you can speak to this, but I don't know if in the post-O'Reilly, post-Roger Ailes era that that many employees would feel that free to speak about women in the way that Abby Grossberg is alleging. So I'm skeptical that that was the reason for his device. It could have been, and Bill O'Reilly made this point with John Katzmatidis yesterday, could have been sort of a death by a thousand cuts situation where, okay, we don't like that he badmouthed Fox and that came out there. We don't like that he is being, um, you know, he's uh, being involved in this Abby Grossberg case. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know, but uh, I think it's uh, it's a shame. But look, he's going to go independent, and even if ten percent of his uh, viewership follows him and they pay ten dollars a month as right. a podcast, right? Fee, the guy's poised to make get a twenty million dollar raise in all likelihood. Well, that's what happened to Bill O'Reilly. I mean, BillO'Reilly.com. Right. Megan Kelly, same thing. Yeah, same Absolutely. thing. Yep. Now he'll be fine. I do want to uh, touch on one local story, which you and I talked about this morning. Nobody does it like you with these stories as well, and that is the uh, the Court of Appeals, which, as you mentioned earlier is our version here of the Supreme Court. Looks like the liberals may have the edge now four to three with seven judges. What's the latest there? Yeah, so yesterday, uh, after finally months of a stalemate where it was essentially three judges, six, uh, th- you know, six judges, three, uh, um, three one way, three the other way, the, uh, Caitlin Halligan, the latest nominee for the Court of Appeals, was filled, so uh, was confirmed rather. So now all seven spots are filled, and the liberals have firmly taken control of the top court. Now, the reason this is super significant politically in the short term is because right now you have Michael Gianaris and the Senate Democrats and his counterparts in the state assembly doing something that's unprecedented in New York, which is in New York, we draw the lines, like most other states do, every 10 years after the census. And they tried to gerrymander and rig the map so that the Republicans were redistricted out of existence last year. It didn't work because they overstepped and they went to court. We actually had a pretty fair court of appeals make the final decision. Well, now that the balance of power in the court of appeals has shifted, I think there's a very good chance that the court of appeals will allow the Democrats to go forward with this gerrymander. And I'd be pretty concerned if I were some of these Republicans in competitive districts. I mean, George Santos has a lot to be concerned about, (laughs) but here's one more reason. But somebody like Anthony D'Esposito, someone like uh, Michael Lawler, uh, someone like Marcus Molinero, these are all folks that are going to have very, uh, very difficult elections, even as it is next year. And if they redraw these lines to make them so much more heavily Democratic, I think they may have a very tough time getting reelected, some or all of them. What an amazing job right there, folks. That's why he gets those monster ratings overnights. You heard it, Other Side of Midnight, starring... Frank Morano does a terrific job there every weeknight. And, of course, uh, once a week with me here, too. Great stuff. Tucker Carlson, Don Lemon, the judges. I love having you on, Frank. That's why you're on every week. And continued success with your own show. You're the man. You're a beast, well, Frank Morano. Uh, uh, first of all, Sid, thank you. It's a pleasure. I know the kind of ratings that you're doing right now and uh, the fact that uh, you're kind enough to have me on on a weekly basis. I know there's a lot of folks around the country that would kill for a spot like this. So I am grateful to you as, as a friend and a colleague. And uh, it's a real treat to uh, be able to be on the same show let alone the same station. I hear a sweetheart. Thank you. That's uh, very, very nice. It's uh, a bit much, but I appreciate it from my heart. Thank you. You do a terrific job. See you tomorrow morning. Thank you, as always, Frank Morano.
Thank you, Sid. Have a great rest of the show. Love you, pal. There he is, Frank Morano. Folks, check him out. What a terrific talent and a great guy. Other side of Midnight, the best overnight show in New York, and it's not even close. Oh, here's Melissa Zim. Let me see what she says quickly. Good morning, Tuesday update. Doctors are examining Pete King this morning. All looks good. Pain is much better. Most important, tumor is gone. As of now, he intends to do his bedside call-in tomorrow morning at 840, unless he gets bumped by Eric Trump. (laughs) That's from Peter King. Melissa, thank you. We love you, Melissa Zim. Melissa says, I'll call you later. But lots more to do, folks. Huge guest list today, Michael Goodwin, New York Post. Former Nick head coach, Jeff Van Gundy, making one of his rare New York appearances. WFAN legend, Joe Beningo. Aaron Rodgers is now a New York Jet. Of course, coming up at 740, the man, the great Bo Deedle. And the guests continue to pile in on this Tuesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. So I get by with a little help from my friends. Alan Dershowitz, Tiffany Justice, the co-founder of Moms for Liberty. This is a great bunch of ladies. Jeff Van Gundy, Joe Beningo, Michael Goodwin, and, of course, the great Bo Deedle, still a calm gnomes nuggets. But Bill O'Reilly just echoed what I said more than once in the 6 o'clock hour, which is there's really nobody, nobody anymore that can't go. For me, it was Imus. I mean, Imus made so much money. So much money for WFAN, for CBS, so much money for Mel Cormazin and those folks. And yes, what he said was offensive and stupid. And I've said things along the way over my 25-year career, offensive and stupid. I admit it. In a feeble attempt to be funny, I've said all those things. I have. Especially the Benoit comments. But I miss what he said that day was irresponsible, offensive, and stupid. Me and Bernie didn't help, but it was really I, man. Let's let's be honest. In fact, I told you this story many times. I was working the midday show down in Miami. I'd been fired already by WFAN. 
But they replaced me with a guy named Chris Carlin, who does sports at ESPN now. And I miss hated Carlin. And I miss wanted me back. So Chris Carlin got married and went on his honeymoon. And WFAN, Mark Jonoff, reached out to me and said, hey, you're doing a midday show in Miami. That means your mornings are available. How about hopping on with the I-Man and doing sports? And I said, I'd love to. So I covered a Super Bowl for Imus while Colin was on his honeymoon. And then on other mornings, I would still fill in for Colin. And you folks may not know this, but I was a pubic hair away from from being rehired in 2007. My agent, Mark Lepselter and Turnoff, I think the contract was on the desk. I was about to be rehired two years after I got fired by WFAN in 2007. So I would do the I Miss Sports and come into work early in Miami, get there about 5 a.m., and every morning at 5.45, before I Miss started at 6, I'd get a phone call from Bernard. And I was in a different studio while their morning show was on because I was doing middays. And it'd always be the same thing. Bernie, what does the I Man want to talk about today? And Bernie that morning said to me, and I quote, the basketball game. And I said, what basketball game? He said, the women. I go, Bernie. I know it's 10 to 6 in the morning. What the hell are you talking about? What women? What? What? I don't follow women's basketball, not college, not the WNBA, none of it. Sorry, none of it. He's like, well, you know, the uh, the college last night, the I-Man wants to talk uh, Rutgers plate, and he even got the teams wrong, Bernie, because Bernie had no idea either. He said, just bring it up. That's what the I-Man wants. I said, fine, great. So I did my homework. <laughs> I found out the night before Rutgers played Tennessee, and sure enough, I'm sitting there at the board waiting, waiting, waiting. I miss and McCord, you guys start the show. We get to about, I don't know, 10 after 6. And the I-Man goes, down in Florida, 790 of the ticket, uh, Rosenberg is there. You know, you know this because when you go back and look at the video of this momentous radio moment, there it is at the bottom of the screen. And they played it everywhere from Good Morning America to Ted Koppel's show. Barbara Walters to Oprah, it says Sid Rosenberg, 790 the ticket at the bottom of the screen. I go, what's going on with sports? Huh? I'm like, well, I'm in. Did you happen to catch the Rutgers-Tennessee game last night? And you know the three words that came next. And that was it. It was all over. And it was stupid and, again, and offensive. But the amount of money and fame that I had at that time, I never would have thought in a million years. Now, don't forget, that happened on a Wednesday morning, those comments. I got a phone call three days later, 6 a.m., Saturday morning, from Chernoff. You're not going on the air today with Wiener. A kid named uh, John Wiener, not Anthony Wiener, who was working alongside Dan Levitard in Miami. I was supposed to do a 1 p.m. Saturday afternoon show that day from Florida with Wiener on the fan. I can't put you on it. Times wrote about I miss. We got we got to need a timeout, and that was the beginning of the end. Three days later, much like Tucker, Tucker did his show on Friday. At the very end of the of the show on Friday, Tucker Carlson had a slice of pizza. I watched it. He was eating pizza, and he said, "We'll see you Monday." And Monday never came, and there were no more Mondays for I miss either. Not there. Of course, he came here, and he got even more money. And that, that ridiculous farming network. I don't know. The guy made a ton. No, that. What a buffoon that guy it was. Gave him five million cash. Who ran that station. Yeah. I never met a bigger buffoon yeah. running a station. Oh, I know. But the point is, for me, 
Once it happened to him, it could happen to anybody. And then O'Reilly, of course. I mean, O'Reilly, he was also a cash cow for Fox News, and he went too. So I'd like to say I was surprised and shocked, but I had heard for months that a lot of the stuff that Tucker Carlson was doing was pissing off Fox News. A lot of it. A lot of it. So it sucks. He's a magnificent talent. He's brilliant. He's not smart. He's brilliant. He delivers it like no one else can. I'm telling you, he's so much better than everybody else. But it doesn't matter. Because eventually, if they want you, and they could mean the media, they can mean conservatives or liberals, they can mean your boss. A little tougher for the boss because there are contracts. There was some legal stuff. But if they want you... They're going to find a way to get you. It's going to happen to me, too, at some point. What are you going to do? Sue and make a ton of money well, and move to Florida. Gonna, well, to ignite that, what are you going to do? I may have to do anything. I don't know. You never know these days. Oh. People just get upset. People are always upset about something. You see Sid? He used to be there. Yeah. Yeah, you're not so great anymore, are you, Sid? Yeah, remember Sid used to tell us he was the best ever? How's it going for you now on the beach in Hollywood? Where's your, where's your 8.7 yeah. now? Where's 8.7 now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Boy, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. On your Tuesday morning, huge one here. Alan Dershowitz, Tiffany Justice. She started the Moms for Liberty. That's a great guest. Former Nick coach, ESPN analyst. Just did the Nick win in game four with Breen and Jackson on Sunday. Jeff Van Gundy making a rare New York appearance. Will join me at 9.05. WFAN legend Joe Beningo coming up at 9.25. Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet. And New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin Coming up at 9.40. But we do put this time aside. Yes, that was a burp because Pete Morgan just made me a beautiful bagel with a schmear. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for that. You're welcome, bro. Uh, we put this time aside every Tuesday morning for the man. Spent the better part of nearly two decades as one of the greatest cops in the history of New York. Has gone on to become a tremendous actor. Movies. Well, you got the Goodfellas. You've got the Wolf of Wall Street. The Irishman. TV shows like Gravesend. And, uh, of course, the uh, godfather of Harlem. And let me say this. What a magnificent appearance by Bo Deedle, Blue Bloods, last Friday night. If you missed it, you need to go back and watch it. CBS, 10 p.m., last Friday night, Bo Deedle stole the episode 
So my dear friend for over 25 years, here he is, the great Bo Deedle. Good morning, Bo. Good morning, and hello, Pete. How you doing, my brother? Good, Bo. Great to hear okay, you, buddy. So, a couple of things. First of all, um, uh, Frank Morano, very smart guy, but he should wipe the spunk off his chin. Oh, my God, what a sucker. <laughs> oh, I love being here. And I, I'm glad Frank listens to our show because I spoke about these Court of Appeal judges last week, if you remember, and I said they have a new head of, of the Court of Appeals. Now the Liberal Democrats have taken it over. It's going to change the gerrymandering and the redistricting. So I'm glad Frank Morano listens to our show where he can learn things because I mentioned it last week. And when I go on your show, Sid, I bring real facts. When I'm talking about the murders across the country, 21,000, when I'm talking about uh, how we could get rid of it with trigger lock, locking them up and charging them federally, these are real facts. That's what I bring to the show. More important, my friend, one of the greatest people that I've ever met in my life, who's been with me since 1985, Congressman Peter King, and I went back and forth yesterday. He sends me a picture of from the episode of Blue Bloods Friday yeah. night where I'm in a hospital bed and I'm laying there. All of a sudden, he goes like this. He sent the photo of himself saying, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to do my best to imitate you, Bo, <laughs> and I love you. I love Pete King, and Pete, get better. I know you're listening, and I, I hope you're on tomorrow, and I love you. Don't don't take him off tomorrow. Please, Sid. No, he's going to be on. No, I, I just heard from uh, the lovely Melissa Zim, his driver, and he yeah. will be calling from the bedside. I, I did announce this morning he did have a malignant tumor removed from his stomach. Yeah. He's feeling better. He's doing okay. He will be on tomorrow morning at 840, bedside at Long Island Jewish. Yeah, she called me yesterday. What a lovely lady she is, and She's really a rocking back of Peter. Now let's get to the news at hand. Now. I can't believe you're not wow. starting. Wait a second. You're not. St- I, I know it, it would be kind of uh, very Sid Rosenberg-like to pat yourself on the back, which I do all the time, and I, and I do it with yeah. zero remorse. But you're not starting with your performance in Blue Bloods? That was amazing. I, I got tremendous response from that. And you know what? People don't understand. They could go on CBS On Demand and they could watch it. I was very happy with the performance, and uh, I'm, I'm very happy that I had a, a piece of that uh, show. It's a very, very watched show, and it, it was great to do Blue Bloods. And uh, Marky Mark's brother there uh, was great. Donnie. Donnie yep. and all that. And, uh, it, was, it was really, really fun to do, and I'm very, very excited and happy about it. Uh, but let's let's go to the real important things at hand right now. Now, all of a sudden now, Fox News fired my friend, Tucker Carlson. I know him a long time. And you missed another one who they fired. What happened to Dan Bongino? They fired Dan Bongino. We're not even talking about that. They're getting rid of all this all this, uh, all this talent, and it comes down to one thing. Well, let me ask you, you said to get rid of all this talent, because O'Reilly made the point, Bo Deedle, with John Katz and Matidis yeah. on John's great yeah. show, Katz and Cosby, 5 p.m. every week, and I thought, if you're not uh, with DeSantis, then you're basically against us. And we know that both Bongino and Tucker, at least on the air, I don't know about privately with Tucker, but at least on the air, very pro-Trump. Are you telling me that if you're like that, Judge Janine's another one, you're pro-Trump on the air at Fox News, that you're in trouble? No, what I'm saying is if you followed this whole thing with this major lawsuit, there was emails and texts. I'm very into this thing. There were emails and texts 
where they actually were being directed to lie. And in reality, some of the hosts of the shows did not want to go along with Susan Scott and Lachlan Murdoch. And they're the ones that should resign. They're the CEOs. He's Lachlan is the lucky sperm CEO. He should resign because this filters down from when you have a company, when the company's running defunctitious, who is responsible? The CEO, like the same thing as the CEO of any major corporation. They're the ones that should be taken down. And there's another $2.7 billion lawsuit from that from a Smartmatic, another voting machine thing. They're going to go down. They're going to go down even further. The only way they can escape is if my friend Elon Musk buys Fox News. A little birdie told me he's looking at it. Now would be a time, uh, Elon, the price would be a steal. Buy Fox News. Take it over, Elon Musk. That would be a great move, and I'm saying it on your show. He's very interested in taking over Fox News. And what better time when you're wounded, like the Kalahari Desert, when you got one of these uh, wildebeest that's wounded, you take it over there. And now all of a sudden, the, the racist, Lamon, Lamon's out. Good, bye-bye, dickhead. All I can say is one more thing. Now they got my, my plump little friend there from Channel 2, Gail King, that uh, should eat a couple of salads there. She's now going to be paid $12 million or something to go on CNN and do the morning show. We got no other talent for CNN. Well, mother, she's not just going. Well, she's not just going on CNN. The name of the show she's going on doesn't even include her name in the title. The name of the show that she starts in September. September on CNN is called King Charles, and it's a play, of course, on the May 6th coronation, but it's her and Charles Barkley. So it's, oh, I, love Char- yeah. I love Charles Barkley, but don't, don't make a mistake. She is going to get a lot of money, and oh, yeah. they're going to they're milk CNN. And I think who does her contracts is Oprah Winfrey, is her lawyer. Yes. She yes. does her contract. Yeah. She's the one that gets so, so, so you're oh. telling me, Bo, that Gail King will, will do both. She will do the continue to do yes. the morning show with CBS and yes. do the show with Barkley on CNN. Yes. Yes. That's mm. how hard up CNN is. CNN is very hard up to get some talent to watch CNN, and they're bringing her on board. And, you know, you guys missed a very important thing, too. Guess who else stepped down? Susan Rice, remember? She was the senior domestic policy. I'm not advisor. sure she stepped down, but she's Hold out. Hold on. You got to follow this. Yeah. You know what she was in charge of? She was in charge of the border. Yeah. But this is a move. Now, here we go on Sid's show. I say it again. This is the move where she's preparing a presidential run for Michelle Obama. She's been in the White House with Biden from the beginning. They've been commanding and demanding a lot of stuff in that White House. Now the White House wasn't going along because the Obamas are controlling this psychopath uh, Biden the fool. All of a sudden he's like Freddy Krueger. Oh, I'm back. Freddy Krueger's back. He's going to run again. And did you hear yesterday the defense minister of Russia? I don't want to scare our listeners. They already said they're going to put nuclear missiles in Cuba, Venezuela, in our hemisphere again. Yeah. What are you going to do nothing. now, you weak fool? Do nothing. What is right. this fool president going to do? Well, he already did it. He, 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 he actually uh, uh, taped a three-minute video. That's what he's doing, which I did play this morning at 625, announcing he's going to run again for president. But now Bo Deedle. You know, you dropped a couple of real haymakers here this morning, which yeah. is why people love you. You're saying that on the day that Joe Biden, and I played it hours ago, has announced he's running for president, you're saying that Michelle Obama, I keep hearing no, 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 yep. no, that Obama running for president is in the works. 
I believe Susan Rice is the catalyst behind it. Why did the uh, the Biden White House bring her in? Because the Obamas pushed to have one of their people in there, and she was uh, undercover in there, and she was dictating policy. And now all of a sudden, the setup now, why would she just leave when the announcement with Biden to run again? She's going to run. And when, when it happens, you heard it on Sid's show also. Also, very, very important. You missed one of the big ones. NBC Universal, one of the biggest ones. Jeff Schell, the CEO. This guy's the CEO. So they had this chick there, this international anchor there, whatever her name was, Hattie Gamble or something. She She was sucking on him for about nine years. And they were having an affair. He was married. And now all of a sudden she decides to say, I don't want to suck on it anymore. Finzies, I'm out of here. I'm suing you for uh, probably $100, $100 million or whatever. This is getting so disgusting. This is a consensual affair between two adults. And in reality, what we have to deal with now, now all of a sudden they decide exactly what happened in Fox. When they all panicked, when when uh, my friend was over there heading up Fox, they all panicked and they gave money away. This is the beginning at NBC. You're going to see some more falling into place. Probably going to have my friend Fat Al Roken. Well, he ain't fat anymore. <laughs> Al Roken probably is sucking yeah. on somebody over there too. Yeah. That'll be the next lawsuit. Yeah, it's funny. I was watching. I was watching, I was watching uh, the the Pamela Anderson uh, movie this weekend. And I, I like her. I like her. She, she's great in the I movie. Like it too. Yeah, she's I like. like and and one of the scenes she's sitting there talking about how the movie, the porn movie that got out to the public with her and her husband at the time, Tommy Lee, really destroyed her whole life. And one of the first interviews she does is Matt Lauer <laughs> to see a young Matt yeah, Lauer. The other, the other, the other pervert there <laughs> yeah, was sucking on everybody. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what comes to life too. And here's a little. You know, a lot of people don't realize there's one senator. That that got betrayed by Biden right in his face. If you remember, they needed his vote so bad. Senator Joe Manchin, who I like, I wish Joe Manchin would run for president and give me a choice other than your friend Trump and other than uh, than the, the, the old fool here, Biden. Senator uh, Senator Joe Manchin, all of a sudden he was then. He helped pass that huge spending bill, that Inflation Reduction Act thing. And in return, he was supposed to get the $7,500 electric vehicle tax credit to be taken down. And there was one more thing. He wanted to revamp the domestic energy production. They promised him. And that plughead senator from Brooklyn, that jerk-off over there, who I'd like to slap him, knock his plugs out of his head, uh, our friends from Brooklyn there, they all promised to give Joe everything. And you know what they did? They lied. They lied to Joe Manchin to get that vote. Well, now, Joe, you know what you can do right now? You should vote against everything that Biden wants. Because your people in West Virginia live on coal production. They live on energy. And you can't turn on your people. You're the senator of West Virginia. So start voting with the Republicans and put this guy in the toilet bowl. It's old fool. And you don't want to know something? Even Kevin McCarthy, even Kevin McCarthy was there Joe Manchin supports Kevin McCarthy with the control of the balanced budget and all that. So here we go again. Senator Joe Manchin could be the catalyst. Because the way we're going right now, if we lose the House of Representatives with this redistricting with New York State, we lose the House of Representatives. All these investigations, which I'll talk about on Thursday, all the investigations will go into the toilet bowl. 
<laughs> You're right about that. What an amazing appearance, folks. That's why he's on twice a week, 740 by phone every Tuesday, 905 every Thursday morning live in studio, dropping bombs and haymakers and calling out folks when they need to be called out. I'm not sure about Michelle Obama. That one I'm not sure about, but... What an amazing appearance by my dear, dear, dear friend, Bo Deedle. Great job, Bo. That's a great hour, by the way. Great hour. Bo Deedle, of course, doing an amazing job. Mike Morano as well. That sets up the 8 o'clock hour, which includes big-time attorney Alan Dershowitz. He's coming up next. Gnomes Nuggets and a lady you're not going to want to miss her. The name of her group is Moms for Liberty. Her name is Tiffany Justice. And enough with the bookmans, right? We'll find out more about that with her, too. And don't forget, in the 9 o'clock hour, two great sports guys, former Nick head coach Jeff Van Gundy and WFAN legend Joe Beningo on Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Keep it right here, the second half of New York's favorite talk show. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's coming back at you. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. show already really has Bo Deedle was just absolutely tremendous Frank Morano great earlier still to come this hour one of the ladies really the lady that started the Moms for Liberty I love this lady I saw her on CBS with Jane Pauley on Sunday her name is Tiffany Justice she'll join me at 840-905 former coach of the Knicks and the Rockets now part of that great three-man team Alongside my dear friend Mike Breen and Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy making a rare New York appearance, coming up with me at 9.05. Legendary WFAN host and the biggest Jet fan in the world on the Aaron Rodgers move. Joe Beningo set to join me at 9.25. And New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin coming up at 9.40. But my best buddy of 43 years, Donald Trump defense attorney Joseph Tacopina, He'll be in court in about 90 minutes, 9.30. Takapina was on with me yesterday talking about this morning, which is an odd one, in that he may have to open up his arguments today. At the same time, there may be jury selection. Both of those things going on at once. Here was Joseph Takapina with me yesterday. I've had jury selections in cases with much less notoriety where it's taken weeks to get a juror. But I'm told, I'm told this judge plans on picking a jury within a couple of hours. So right now the plan is to possibly, I should say possibly, open for Wednesday morning. All right, he could open today after they select the jury or tomorrow morning. Either way, I love this guy. I have three great attorneys on this show all the time. Takapina, Idala, and this guy may be the best of them all. Constitutional attorney and absolute Brooklyn genius, my friend Alan Dershowitz. Mr. Dershowitz, good morning. How are you? 
good morning. I can't be as good as Arthur Idala because he's my lawyer. So he must be better than I am. <laughs> I guess. I mean, every lawyer needs a lawyer, too. So if you yeah, go yeah. – <laughs> now, Audie's listening right now, so he's a huge fan of the show. No, I, I, he, he, I need him as my lawyer because, like Donald Trump, I was accused by – in my case, by a woman I never heard of, never met, and never had anything to do with. And she finally admitted after eight years, after eight years, that she may – have made a mistake mm-hmm. and falsely identified me. So I know what Donald Trump is going through. Of course, I don't know what happened in that uh, dressing room or anywhere else. That's going to be up to the jury to determine. But I can be sympathetic with uh, a, a 20-something-year-old claim uh, of she said, he said, that's that's going on. And in a setting where it's going to be very hard to get a jury that doesn't have strong opinions about Donald Trump, no, that's true. The, the the jury will have strong opinions, and the judge, too. I know Takapinas has said some very nice things the last couple of days about this specific judge. He's worked with him before. But isn't the onus here, Alan, really on the prosecution side? I mean, she's claiming something happened decades and decades ago. There is no witness, as far as I know. He's on video this morning, Trump, saying, not only did I not do it, I don't even know who this lady is so it seems to me like the more difficult job is to prove this happened, or am I being naive? I think you're being naive. First of all, in civil cases, the burden is only 50.1% to 49.9%, a hair, and it's the easiest possible burden to satisfy. And second of all, juries don't take burdens of proof seriously. They sit there and they say, you know, did he do it or didn't he do it? That's that's basically what we're being asked. The same thing is true in criminal cases. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Most jurors just ask themselves the question, you know, did he do it or didn't he do it? And so, uh, yeah, there should be a heavy onus on anybody trying to prove something that happened years ago. And there should be statutes of limitations. But, you know, in the movement toward we believe everything women say and nothing mm. that men say in that whole Me Too movement, which has had some good effects as well as some very, very bad ones. It's, you know, as I think it was a great philosopher who once said, they always start as causes, then they become movements, then they become business, then they become rackets. <laughs> and we're at the racket stage. In a lot of these cases, there are so many false accusations. I have a lawyer friend in California who says about once a week she writes out a $100,000 check. Um, to some woman who was claiming that a Hollywood person, a Hollywood actor or producer, uh, you know, had did something to her years and years and years and years earlier. And the Hollywood people were saying, you know, write the check. I never met I never heard of her, but write the check. I don't want the bad publicity. So, you know, the racket aspect of it has come into being, along with a very positive aspect. People ought to be held accountable for what they've actually done. But the villains here, the villains are the lawyers and the plaintiffs who bring false charges, which weaken the claims of people who have true charges, and there ought to be consequences for that. If somebody brings a false charge and it's proved to be untrue, that person ought to go to prison and the lawyers ought to be disbarred. Couldn't agree more. Now, uh, just one more on this. If you're Joe Tacopina this morning, I know you know Joseph uh, like I do and, and love him and think he's great. Uh, you have to go after this woman hard, yes? I mean, really character attack or no? It's very hard. It's very, very difficult. The, the great lawyers know how to do it without appearing to do it. Uh, the, what they have to do is let, let the woman, let the, 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 the witness destroy herself or himself. You can't be perceived as a bully. 
Uh, it has to be you have to ask the kinds of questions that the answers themselves will create questions about the credibility of the witness. So it's one of the hardest jobs there is to cross-examine a witness who might very well cry, who might very well be emotional on the stand, um, and uh, without appearing to be sexist or appearing mm. to be a bully. Right. So it's the hardest job right. for the lawyer. And Takapino already, uh, some of the liberal media has already designated him that Brooklyn bully, and he's got a big mouth, and blah, blah, blah. So it's even more difficult for him. I mean, you're, you're a much more soft-spoken. I mean, you're vicious, and you're going to win at any call. I know. But you're a much more soft-spoken guy uh, than Joe Takapina from Bedford Avenue, yes? Yeah. Hey, I'm from Borough Park. Bedford Avenue was, yeah, a little tougher than Borough Park. But we, you know, we were pretty tough guys also. <laughs> yeah. no, I know. All of Brooklyn was very, very tough. I want to move to uh, Fulton County. The DA has come out now, another Trump case. And they say that right now, Part of the reason why they're delaying the indictment in Georgia is because there are more people willing to cooperate almost every day. That's what they're saying. Trump says <laughs> they got nothing. That's why they're waiting. What do you think about this potential indictment? Well, first of all, cooperating witnesses are a dime a dozen. Prosecutors can make uh, cooperating witnesses not only sing, but they can often make them compose and make up stories. And we've seen this over and over and over again, because witnesses will do anything to spare their family or their friends or their finances, the kind of thing that a prosecutor can do to them. So let's see how strong the witnesses are. Right now, the case is based on a telephone call. And the telephone call is completely exculpatory, innocent. Telephone call says, find, find, not invent, not concoct, find, find means the votes are there. What we have to do is look hard and make sure that there are no uncounted votes. So the telephone call is his best defense. But we'll see what other people say. Uh, you know, as people say, no one's above the law, but no one's below the law. The, the exact same law has to be applied to everybody, regardless of position, a former position, a future position. Alan Dershowitz right here, the brilliant attorney and dear friend of mine, discussing Donald Trump, Joseph Takapina, in court in about 80 minutes for this uh, rape-slash-defamation civil case. Then we just discussed Georgia. But, of course, the biggest story really in the news today is the Tucker Carlson firing. Fox News saying it was mutual. There was nothing mutual about it. Let's be honest. Murdoch fired him. What do you think about uh, what went down yesterday and what Fox, I guess, has against Tucker Carlson? Because the fans of my show, who are, for the most part, conservatives, they're furious. Yeah, well, I don't blame them. And what, is Scott, what does Fox have against the First Amendment? Why did they settle this case? Uh, there were no damages to speak of. There's no way that uh, Dominion could have claimed successfully three-quarters of a billion dollars worth of damages. Uh, they settled this case because they didn't want, obviously, some explosive new emails or other information to come out. It's a bad day for the First Amendment. And, uh, you know, I, I've been on Tucker Carlson's show I've been on Don Lemon's show. I know them both. Um, they have voices that the public wants to hear. And the First Amendment is two-sided. It not only gives Tucker Carlson the right to speak, it gives you and me the right to listen to him. You can listen to him and shake your head in agreement. I can listen to him and shake my head in disagreement. But that's America. And uh, th those voices should not be cut off. And it's a bad day. For well, the but but the, the, some, of the, some of the folks were writing yesterday, and I echoed this this morning because I just repeated what I had heard, and Frank Morano did a very good job of shooting it down. 
that one of the reasons why Tucker was fired, and now we're starting to find out there's a bunch of stuff they didn't like about him, but one of it was, you know, going after Dominion, the lies, him talking about the rigged election. Is there any credence to any of that? Do you think this was just personal between Murdoch and Carlson? Or do you not know? I don't think it was personal. I, You know, I think it was business. And, look, it may be that uh, they want to make the – Fox and, and, and CNN more centrist and, and, and get rid of the people who are perceived of as extreme on the right or on the left. That's one possibility. The other possibility is they just don't want any more lawsuits. And, and when you have somebody who's as opinionated as Carlson and some other people on, on Fox, uh, you get the risk of further of further losses. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what the reasons are. We may never know. We may yeah. never know the reasons why Fox settled. Uh, the only point that we have to remember is that the American public, the American public loses when this happens. The American public loses when people go after Donald Trump unfairly. You know, as you know, I wrote a book about it called Get Trump, where I argue that the First Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment are all being compromised in the interests of achieving a political goal. And I think all of these recent developments can be perceived as part of Get Trump, get his supporters, get the people on television who uh, articulate statements for him and state his position. Get them all one way or another. And one way or another, a lot of them are being knocked off. And we're seeing a a very dangerous new McCarthyism uh, operate in the United States. And this comes from a liberal Democrat who didn't vote for Donald Trump and, you know, doesn't support uh, many of the things that are said on on Fox News. I, I speak for consumers. And I speak for people who care deeply about the Constitution, regardless of political party. Frank Morano told me this morning, and I guess he's right, that ironically, they have actually employed the same lawyer, Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon, in their respective suits against Fox News and CNN. Anyway, one more. You did mention the fact that you wrote this book, Get Trump, which is a great book, doing very, very well. You also mentioned the fact you don't vote for Donald Trump. And he said to me on this show a couple of weeks ago, that you would vote for Joe Biden again. Well, the good news is, Alan, based upon his announcement this morning, you're going to have that opportunity. You still feel that way? <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, obviously, we'll see on the day of the election. I don't believe in early voting. I vote on the day of the election after all the evidence is in who the least worst candidate is. One of these days, I'll be able to vote for the best candidate. But in the meantime, I vote for the least worst candidate. And I not only vote for the candidate, but I vote for the party platform. So let's see. Let's see. Right now, um, I would vote for, for Joe Biden. I know his numbers are very low, and uh, I'm disappointed in some of the things he, he didn't do and some of the things he could have done. But when I consider all the alternatives and all the implications, I've been a Democrat since the day I voted for John Kennedy back in 2000, back in 1960, mm. where most of your viewers and listeners weren't born. But uh, so I go back a long time. You know, people in in my community and in your community, we were born as Democrats. Some people made the conversion and others have not. And the Democrats are in trouble um, with uh, many communities today um, because of the hard left elements in that party. One of the reasons I stay a Democrat is to put pressure on the Democrats to keep AOC at the margin and to make sure that uh, uh, others in the party uh, don't uh, turn it 
so leftward that it becomes impossible even for somebody like me to vote for them. And that's possible. That could happen. So let's wrap this up in a nice little ball. We started the conversation with me playing a cut from Joe Tacopina on this show yesterday. We talked about today they're going to have to grab themselves a jury and make opening statements likely on the same day today. If not, he'll make his opening statements tomorrow. You talked about how difficult it is for him, his job here, not to bully this lady and get the outcome they want. With all that said, do you think Takapina and Trump will get the outcome they want? It is absolutely impossible to predict what a New York jury will do in a case like this. I would, I would have to have a crystal ball, which, which has <laughs> never, never been wrong. I've been very good at predicting outcomes, uh, partly because I don't make predictions unless I have a basis for making them, and I don't have a basis uh, for making a jury a, a jury determination. Um, but uh, we'll see what the evidence is. Call me back after the evidence comes in on both sides, and then I'll. I'll make it for you. All right. That's a deal. We're going to do that, Alan, because I can't get enough of you. I think you're absolutely amazing. I do. I love you. So thank you for another great appearance this morning, and stay well. We'll do it again very soon, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Be well. Bye. You're the best. Alan Dershowitz right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning, and we will call him back right after the evidence is introduced. And, of course, I talk to Takapina later on tonight. We uh, got a lot more to do, folks, a lot more to do this hour. Gnomes Nuggets. And you're really going to like this lady, I promise you. The group is the Moms of Liberty. I saw these uh, Moms for Liberty, excuse me. I saw these two ladies with Jane Pauley on CBS on Sunday. And they're going to make sure our kids are reading the right books. Tiffany Justice will join us. And then Jeff Van Gundy, Joe Beningo, and Michael Goodwin in the 9 o'clock hour. Keep it right here. We're rocking on a Tuesday morning. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. It's all great. Still to come, Tiffany Justice, Moms of Liberty, Jeff Van Gundy, Joe Beningo, Michael Goodwin. Amazing guest list today. And, of course, sitting to my left, the man. Peerless boilers, tankless water heaters, Pete Morgan. Anytime he goes to a Ranger game, Pete's got a pad in the city. It's like Henry Hill. And uh, goes to the Ranger game and stays in the city and then joins me the next morning, which is always fun. So the Rangers... 
jumped out to a commanding 2 nothing lead with two decisive road wins in Newark. Outscored the Devils 10-2, to winning by identical scores, as Kenny Albert said, a 5-1 to in each of the first two games. And since then, they can't do anything. They scored two goals in two games, and the Devils clearly are the better team. Although very close games, 2-1 to in overtime, and empty netter last night, 3-1. to The Devils now have regained home ice advantage, and they're in control of the series now. So it's a very simple question to Pete Morgan, who every night before the Ranger game takes part in a three-way chat with me and Joe Tacopina. Are the Rangers done? I hope not. That's not the answer no, I want. I know. I look, Are the Rangers done? Look, they have to get back to what they did in game one and two. Get the puck but, deep. Outscore the other team. Four, four checks. Then they once asked John Minko, check. how are they going to win the game tonight? And Minko, I swear to God, said St. John's is playing Butler. Yeah. And he said, and I quote, they have to score more points. Well, that's that's Minko. That's uh, you know that's how it usually goes. Were they better score? <laughs> <laughs> so go back to games one and two, and yeah, yeah. I mean, you just, <laughs> go, just go back and play that way. But what way was that? Not, they, 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 they were they harder. Cha- they were they hard. said the Look, Devils changed the goalie. They can't score. This guy's six foot five. There's no traffic in front. Yeah, they scored five times in the first two games. Kreider had his big ass in front of the net. Most of the night. Yeah. That's what you got to get people to the net. They have eight all-stars on their team. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you, I I think they they have a couple of Hall of Famers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beyond all-stars. Right. But I think you're not making up with a goalie change. It it is night and day. That guy allowed in some not great goals. This guy, Schmidt, again, six foot five, huge body. There are no angles for the Rangers. He's seeing seeing everything. You've got to get these NHL guys are so good. If they see it, they're going to stop it most of the time. Okay. Very rare that they don't. Okay. I mean, get some bodies in front. Look at they don't have any problem crashing at this uh, Igor every night, don't they? <laughs> they go right in there, led. banging yeah. away. Yeah. So this is this is what the Rangers have to do. They got to okay. be a little bit harder on the puck. They got they just they didn't have enough jump, and the Devils beat them to lose pucks and won a lot of the fifty fifty battles. So yeah, right. we need to come back and go back to that game one and two style. Okay. Well, listen, the road team has won every game this series, all four, and the good news is Thursday night, game five, the Rangers back on the road. Just ahead of Tiffany Justice, a couple of minutes here, Norm. Got to do this quickly. What you got today? I wanted to, uh, Sid, take you down a uh, trip down memory lane, and I thought this might be the perfect music to do so. Oh, yes, the great Marilyn McCool. I loved her. Oh, yeah. The Fifth Dimension, I believe they were yes. called. Yes. So I wanted to take you down this Is this trip. for the Chinese? Uh, no. I Spy wanted balloons? You, no. <laughs> I wanted you to take you down the trip of memory lane of all the people who have been fired from Fox over the years. Fox News or Fox? Fox News. All right. The list... Is longer than you might. Well, let think. me try it's to get. Well, we well, guess a couple here. Okay. Recently, Tucker Carlson. Right. That's easy. And uh, what's his name? Uh, he annoyed me anyway. Dan Bongino. I mean, he's fine. Yes. But uh, he was in the boot a couple <laughs> days ago. He gone. Um, also fired from Fox News. Megan Kelly. Megan Kelly. Uh, that is true. Yeah. What about uh, Gretchen Carlson? Gretchen Carlson, you're doing very well. Keep going. What about Bill O'Reilly? Bill O'Reilly, yes. What about uh, uh, the Latino chick uh, with, the, with the nice ass? Uh, what's her name again? Mm, I don't say that. Can you say that? Uh, Conchita, you just did. Yeah, Conchita Rivera. Yeah. 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 You know, I saw Cheetah Rivera on with Jane Pauley 
on Sunday. She's 90-plus years old, and, and she amazing. can still dance. Yeah, yeah. She is. Um, I forgot her name, Andrea Contande or something. Or... Uh, Tenteros. That's is exactly that... right. Yes. right. She yeah. was given the boot. Yeah. So how many have we gotten wow, so you're, far? you're really very good at this game. Yeah. Well, uh, I pay got... attention to people getting fired. <laughs> when I've been fired. People getting times. fired, yeah. 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 <laughs> I've been fired every year. Yeah. I'm on a seven-year streak right now. <laughs> Who is that? Yeah, I'm next. Um, Who is that guy? Let me write him down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know who else got fired? He wrote, my, my buddy, he wrote the book about the Brooklyn Dodgers. Me and Bernie used to love Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Ed, uh, Ed something. Henry. Henry. Ed Henry. Yeah. Wow, is you he... are very good at this game. <laughs> I am? Yes, because uh, he's on my list. He's on the list. What yeah. about Eric Bowling? Eric Bowling? Eric Bowling, he got the boot. Yeah, Glenn Beck. Right. Glenn Beck got Not the boot. Not only did Eric Bowling get the boot, but uh, the very last specialist show he ever did with Ebony K. Williams and Kat Timpf. Me and Bernard were the guests. Oh, really? That's exactly right. And then the very last factor ever was hosted by Gutfeld, the unfunny Gutfeld. Instead of O'Reilly, we did that show, too, me and Bernie. You had a kiss of death. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, How many more am I missing? Uh, A few more. How about Alan Combs? They're not the hugest names. Alan Combs? He got fired? He he Uh, died. Well, Hannity and Combs, uh, they they just made it Hannity. That's right. They got rid of him. Uh, Bob Beckel from The Five. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, Judge Napolitano. Right? Oh, he got oh, fired. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Bill Shine off the air. Bill Shine got the boot. Wow. Roger Ailes. All those Roger Ailes. Uh, Sarah Palin actually got the boot as well. Oh, she after, did. Yeah. She started butting heads with higher ups. They said you're no longer welcome on the network. She was a paid contributor. Melissa Francis. Do you oh yes. Her? She was on Little House on the Prairie. Right. Yes. She, she wrote uh, a book a couple years ago. It was done with me and Bernard in studio. She found out by reading the teleprompter that she got booted. Fantastic. <laughs> it said on the teleprompter, you've been fired. I love it. Yeah, she didn't know it was coming. (laughs) And neither did the people on the teleprompter. It was an accident. Did Kimberly Gilboyle leave or get fired? That I don't know. Or Ebony Williams? They probably left. I don't either think either of them were fired. No. No. So those were the people. And I could go on some of the names you wouldn't even recognize at this point. Wow. The list is long and Mm. uh, deep. Goes back I got a better list. These are the people fired from WABC. Here we go. Let's go. Here we go. (laughs) Do you want me to start the music again? Mike Garcia. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh, Frankie Diaz. This is where we're going. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. goodness. All right, we're done with this. All right, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> Part two tomorrow. <laughs> Don Imus. Imus is uh, the most famous one because they made it sound like it was a mutual thing, like um, Tucker Carlson, but they kicked that old cowboy's ass out of here, man. <laughs> Take your copy out and get the hell out of here. I'd like to get fired the way he got with what he what, The money he got? Yeah. I'll no, no, that. no, not this time. The first time from CBS, he got $22 million. Yeah, I know. ABC, they just said, uh, they sent him a thank you card. Yeah, well, he was almost dead. So yeah, that's true, yeah. He did Jesus. die about uh, two years later. <laughs> anyway, Tiffany Justice, Moms for Liberty, from the one show that uh, we, we are sympathetic for you. There's no question about it. Tiffany Justice is coming up next. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Next week is May. Thank God. I think I get to go home in May. Spoke the witch clip yesterday. They're moving along, baby. Get me out of Battery Park and get me back to Bell Harbor, please. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Well, it's been a, a great show already. Frank Morano, Bo Deedle, 
the great attorney, Alan Dershowitz. We have such a great 9 o'clock hour about to come your way, starting with former Knicks and Rockets head coach, now part of that great three-man team alongside Mike Breen and Mark Jackson. Jeff Van Gundy most recently called the Nick win over the Cavaliers on Sunday. Game five coming up in Cleveland tomorrow night. Knicks up three games to one. Van Gundy rarely does a New York appearance because he's an ESPN guy. So he's not allowed to go on WFAN. He only joins me. That's it. So Van Gundy coming up at 9.05. WFAN legend, Mr. Jet, with Aaron Rodgers, now a New York Jet. Joe Beningo coming up at 9.25. And the great New York Post columnist, Michael Goodwin, coming up at 9.40. But Sunday morning, I was in bed, naked. That's a lot of information, by the way, but I'm a sexy guy. And uh, I was watching uh, CBS, Jane Pauley. Oh, no, she's fine. I missed uh, the guy with the bow tie. What was his name again? Uh, Charles Osgood. He was better. Yep. I like that show. They show like Babbling Brooks and Rivers, and there were a bunch of uh, liberal uh, interviewers who were just brutal. This one guy interviewed Cheetah Rivera. It was actually a very good interview, but Jim Gaffigan's on that show every now and then. It's a good show. So they did this whole story on this group called the Moms for Liberty. And I didn't know about these ladies, I'll be honest. They came about during covid Everything from vaccine mandates to the masks to now the whole book deal. And uh, two ladies in particular. I know I saw Tiffany Justice. I loved her. But I'm not sure if I saw Bridget Ziegler or Tina Deskovich on Sunday. But either way, I said to my wife, Danielle, I said, these ladies are heroes. They're heroes. Ron DeSantis in all kinds of hot water down in Florida for the book ban. He's 100% right. And these ladies are out there doing that work every day. So I went to Justin, thinking full well he wouldn't get it done. Him and or Sid. <laughs> Good one. And they got it done. So here she is from the Moms for Liberty, the very courageous Tiffany Justice. Tiffany, good morning. Welcome to Sid and Friends in the Morning in New York City. How are you? I'm great, Sid. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. You got it. Are you from New York? Uh, you know what? My family is originally from New York. My dad grew up in Brooklyn. Ah, uh, everybody did. All the great people grew up in Brooklyn. So uh, are your parents alive now? Uh, and my father passed away. I'm my sorry. mom is still alive. Uh, and is she in Florida, your mother? Yes, yeah, she's in Florida. My grandfather owned a car dealership in, in, uh, called uh, Court Chevrolet, for anybody listening. And then my dad had a, a car dealership when I was growing up, when I was young, in Hempstead on Long Island. Uh, oh, nice. And so, uh, yeah, good roots in, in New York. <laughs> but you did what a lot of people are doing these days, especially. And I did it. I lived in Boca Raton for 16 years. I'm the only schmuck that came back because I needed the money. But uh, you, uh, you made the move from New York to Florida many years ago, I guess, yes? Yeah, my dad was done with the snow, I think. I remember yeah. growing up, he said, I'm going to go in the pool every day on Christmas <laughs> if I can. And he, <laughs> it didn't matter. You know what's funny about that? I had a pool in my backyard, and I was a member of the beach club in Boca. And it's funny your father said that because the only times when I lived in Florida for those 16 years that I was depressed was times like Christmas because it didn't seem right to go in a swimming pool when I just drove past my neighbor's house and they had reindeer on the roof. It actually depressed me, believe it or not. The rest of the year was great, but I found holidays in South Florida to be absolutely depressing. That's just me, I guess. Not you, huh? We just, have, we just make our own traditions, right? Yeah. You know, uh, sprinkle a little glitter on the ground for the reindeer, and the, and the kids don't know, you know, so it's fun. We, we make it work. Right. Are you in uh, Palm Beach County, Broward County? Where are you? Indian River. Oh, Indian River. Oh, okay. Great. All right. So here comes COVID, right? 
And uh, we still have all these, you know, people wearing masks all over New York City. These morons, today's going to be 65 and sunny. There is no COVID out there. And yet, forgetting about the train, you walk up and down the streets, Upper West Side, Upper East Side, they're still wearing masks. Vaccine mandates are basically gone, although not totally gone. So you guys come around around COVID and go, enough is enough. What they're doing to our kids is basically child abuse. Is that right? Yeah, we started with two chapters in Florida. So Tina Deskovich, that was who was on the the program with me on CBS Sunday morning. We started with two chapters in Florida. And uh, within two weeks of starting, we got a call from a woman named Barbara Abood in Nassau County, New York. And she wanted to start a chapter. Of course, she had heard about Moms for Liberty, right? New York, Florida connection. And uh, we said, yes, let's go. Let's, let's, you know, let's go national. And so we did. And then another two weeks, we got a Maryland and now 275 chapters in 45 states. We just added Alaska, wow. which is really exciting. Yeah, it's been, been really, really great. And you're right. I mean, it, it was about the masks, but it wasn't about the masks. It was really about parental rights. It was about the fact that, you know, you had all of these people dictating to parents uh, education and medical care decisions that were really, you know, are, are made and, and meant for the parent to make. You saw Joe Biden yesterday get on TV and say, you know, that, that you they're, they're not your children. They're all of our children. And, and that that is just not going to fly with, with our moms. <laughs> not with me. And by the way, Joe should spend more time worrying about his own child, Hunter. Just <laughs> my thought. But this <laughs> is Tiffany Justice, Moms for Liberty. Now, not only uh, was it about masks and uh, mandates, vaccines and all that, but where this really hit home for me on Sunday was school curriculum, CRT, and the big one, the book bans. Now, I've got a 14-year-old son, so he's now heading towards high school. My daughter is in college in Europe. She's coming home on Saturday. But I'm not that far removed from my kids being in schools and little kids' schools, you know. And the last thing I want my kid to see at seven or eight years old is a book titled Gender Queer. And by the way, I am as liberal socially as anyone you know. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-gay marriage. But my six-year-old kid doesn't need to see gender queer instead of catcher in the rye in the, in the school library. And I know you guys are working hard on those types of things. Yeah, we are. I mean, and to be clear, no one's banning in what is, you know, the, the library in the school should be a curated collection of content. And the books that many parents around the country have found that have made their ways into li- made their way into libraries are really concerning. And just to hammer home the point, you know, CBS Sunday Morning, uh, we we showed Martha Tagner and her producer all, all of the material. We brought the books. They had copies of the pictures. They weren't able to show them because they would get an FCC violation. So tonight we're going to actually go on Chris Cuomo's show. And um, we asked if we could bring the books and show the books, and they're going to have to blur and censor the books. So the um, you can't show them on a, on a TV program. How are they okay for a public school library? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, Chris Cuomo, there was a very famous little tip between me and Chris, Middle of New York newspapers, uh, a couple of months ago. I'm curious, is he on your side on this? Because uh, his political ideologies don't seem to be that way. No, but I don't really think this is a partisan issue. As you said, you know, you have more liberal beliefs and maybe some conservatives might about certain things. But I think these, this is an issue and achievement in school that, that these should not be partisan issues or political issues. We should be able to, as adults, 
as parents come together and say, there are certain things that are meant for adults and there are certain things that are meant for children. And, and that's something that we should be able to come together on. So I don't know what his position is, but we're thankful that he asked us to come on and we're happy to talk about the issue. It's been really a disingenuous conversation because what it, what it, they try to make it seem to be is that somehow we're, you know, we don't want to kill a mockingbird or a book about Martin Luther King or something like that in the, in the schools and absolutely untrue. People need to see these books, books like Genderqueer and other books. I mean, I said on the show, incest, rape, pedophilia. Um, You know, if if I walked up to a kid on a playground and showed them that book, I'd probably be arrested. Yeah, you would. Uh, By the way, my son's middle name, I told this to Carol Markowitz, who's in your state, who was a great New York Post columnist yesterday. My son Gabriel's middle name, Atticus, from, of course, Atticus Finch into Kill a Mockingbird. I love that book. But uh, listen, what you're doing is right, and those books uh, should not be there. And what it becomes is, instead of Tiffany Justice being a good mother, worried about her children, you become homophobic. You become xenophobic. Right? I mean, if I'm happy this morning that Don Lemon got fired, it's not because he's a hack and a racist. It's because I'm the racist. So you know, of course, you have to deal with all these stereotypes by the other side that they throw at you. And all you're doing, Tiffany, is being a good mom. But how many times a week do you hear you're a homophobe? Yeah, we get it all the time, and it's really sad. I mean, we hear, you know, I just want to be clear. Our members are um, from different backgrounds, different faiths, different races. Um, We have members who are gay. We have members who have gay children. So, um, you know, just to be clear, again, you know, we are not – um, trying to hurt any group. We're just trying to safeguard the innocence of children in schools. And Sid, the thing is, two-thirds of kids in American public schools are not reading on grade level. The NAEP scores that came out in 2022, those are national assessment scores and norm tests and national tests, showed us that. So, you know, I really think that this is a lot of, of um, vitriol. There's a lot of, of, you know, politics around this idea of book banning. President Biden and his um, in, in the, uh, the the video that he just put out uh, announcing his new campaign talks about book bans. I think it's something that they really want to divide people on. But when you really look at the books, I think more people have uh, concerns than don't. Yeah. And, of course, part of that whole Biden thing is, you know, I think people think if, if Trump wins, he'll, he'll run. If Trump doesn't win, maybe he'll pull out. But if it ain't going to be Trump, it's going to be Ron DeSantis. And your governor in your state, of course, has been called the book banner by just about every liberal and Democrat the last couple of weeks. And even some GOP donors had the nerve to pull some money from that campaign because DeSantis decided to ban some of these books. But much like what you do every day, Tiffany, to me, what DeSantis did with that was heroic. Yeah, I mean, you know, he t- he took a stand in this country when we needed a leader to take a stand, and and I'll always be grateful for that. We had moms across the country in San Francisco; schools were closed for eighteen months. So, you know, when when Ron DeSantis came out July sixth, I still remember twenty twenty, and said, "We are going to have in person open schools." I was so thankful as a mom of four, and and he has you know, really put his money where his mouth is when it comes to parental rights. We had a parent's bill of rights that was passed, and now we have moms all over the country that use that bill in Florida as a model policy for their own legislatures. So, um, you know, a big fan of Ron DeSantis. He really has uh, supported parents and supported fundamental rights. I'm just curious. Uh, Again, I admit, I'm sorry to admit this. I should have known uh, what I do, but I didn't know much about you, if anything at all, before Sunday. Then I saw this on Jane Pauley's show uh, have you gotten a ton of calls since Sunday? We've gotten calls, but 
you know, in general, we you know we we seem to attract a lot of interest because we are moms and dads that are taking a, a step forward and standing up for kids. And um, you know, this this idea of parental rights seems to have become controversial, and and it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. You know, we're very concerned that there's a movement to kind of um, let the schools raise the kids. And what we know to be true is that teachers are parents themselves. Uh, it is not their responsibility to raise other people's children, and we need to put the focus back on academics. So, yeah, we've gotten a lot of calls, and every time that I get the opportunity to speak with great people like you, I try to talk about reading and academic achievement. You know, you talk about a lot of these teachers or parents. Uh, the, the other part is I saw some young lady on this show you were on Sunday on CBS. She wasn't a parent, and I guess she actually no, moved. She wasn't. Yeah, and she moved to Brooklyn, I guess, and, you know, she um, she looked yeah. the part. I always say, you know, I got a kid teaching my kid who's got yellow hair and a nose ring, and this is the person telling my kid what to believe, what not to believe, and this is the person telling me my kid's better off with her than she is with me, and I'm my kid's father. So, you know, mm-hmm. watching that that girl on Sunday on your or your special just drove home for me, that uh, it, it's not parents. It's a lot of young kids who are, quite frankly, freaks. And I don't want those people teaching my kids what to do when I, my, I'm the father. It's really that simple, right? Yeah, and if you saw her shirt, her she had a T-shirt on in one of the photos, and it said, educating is activism. Yes. And my message that. back to her is, no, educating is not activism. Educating is a job that you are paid to do. You work for the government. We have government schools. And there are certain things that are expected for you to do in your classroom and to, you know, values clarification, teaching kids morals. That is not the role of the teacher. Parents have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children. That includes their education, their medical care, their morality or religion. And, you know, it's just obvious that the boundary between school and home has become very blurred, and Moms for Liberty is standing there redrawing that boundary and, you know, saying, we raise our kids, you teach our kids, and and that's the way we need to move forward. Question, Tiffany, the Moms for Liberty. My friend Pete Morgan just asked me, this is a very good question. How are you guys funded? Um, So we have... uh, donors all over the country. Um, our first year, we uh, started with $500 and uh, sold T-shirts. We raised $150,000 worth uh, of money in, in T-shirts. Um, so uh, that's how we funded ourselves the first year. We've been very, very lucky to have donors all across the country that will uh, donate to our chapters and to our national organization. Just so you know, we sue the DOE, my wife and I, every year. What they did to my son, the public school system in New York, Absolutely unacceptable. And we win, by the way. We sue him every year. We win every year. My son, nice white kid, Jewish kid from Brooklyn. Uh, All of his friends were black. All of them. I mean, I I put on a birthday party for Gabriel years ago. It was him and seven kids. He was the only white guy in the picture. And by the time he left that school, every one of those nice little kids couldn't stand my son because they were learning in school and at home how basically the white man is evil what the white man has done. They never learned about the Holocaust. They never learned about 9-11, but they learned day after day after day about civil rights and slavery and CRT and all that, uh, that, that toxic nonsense. They ruined my kid to the point where, again, we sue him every year. So I am a victim in this, believe it or not, and angry about it. So to me, Tiffany, you're an American hero. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. You spend $38,000 per year uh, per child in New York City public schools, and you really need to ask yourself in New York, are we getting what we're paying for? Are the children learning? Are they going to be able to be successful? I I wish I spent 38000 This is now two private schools for my son. I spent 120000 No doubt.
Unbelievable, right? Yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. thank you. Keep up the good work and come back again very, thank very you, soon. Sir. Thank you. All right. There she is, Tiffany Justice, Moms for Liberty. And uh, donate uh, to these people, right? I mean, these are great people. These are what we need. In this Absolutely, country. yeah. You love this lady, don't you? She was great. Great yeah. cause. She was great. All right, a lot more to do. Very exciting 9 o'clock hour. Jeff Van Gundy, Joe Beningo, Michael Goodwin, all of it. Fourth and final hour, Sid and Friends in the morning, about to come your way. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Cleveland, baby. Here we go, Cleveland. A couple of big nights. Game five, Knickerbockers and Cavaliers tomorrow night in the NFL draft. Round one on Thursday. What number do the Giants pick? I don't care. What number did the Jets, or the Jets traded that pick for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, anyway, 13. Sunday the Knicks took a commanding three-game-to-one lead on Cleveland, and it was a special one because the threesome were together, the great threesome of my dear friend Mike Breen, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, who's been a great friend of mine over the years. Jeff was down with me down in Miami all the time. And, of course, Mark Jackson. And they were at the top of their game. They were great. All three New York roots and the Knicks get the win and, again, take a commanding three-game-to-one lead. With that said, here he is, former head coach of the Rockets and the Knicks, the last time the Knicks were really great, and a great TV analyst, my friend Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff, good morning, buddy. How are you? Doing well, Sid. How are you? Nice to have you back. I know my buddy Steve Zemak down in Florida reached out to you, and thank you, as always, for coming on. I tell you, one of the things I enjoyed most about your telecast on Sunday, Jeff, was you guys kept looking back at the days at Tibbs, Tom Thibodeau spent with you, both with the Knicks and in Houston. And I think a lot of Knicks fans didn't even know that you guys had that much history together. You were the last great Knicks coach, and he the current great Knicks coach. And for Mark and I, Coach Patino was in the uh, at the game, so I had worked for him at Providence. Mark had played for him at uh, New York, so there was a lot Saint of John's, New York. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. No, oh, before, right, 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 Knicks. right, right, Knicks, right, the Knicks, yeah, and so, yeah, it was great, and Tom and I, uh, Thibodeau, go way back, uh, and uh, he's just done a remarkable job uh, in really hard circumstances, you know, when he took over, they were mediocre, he got him to the playoffs the first year, last year, uh, with the Randall regression, uh, they didn't make it, and then, you know, this year, with the Brunson signing, the Hart trade, uh, they have really, really played good basketball. Jeff, you can appreciate this. Two years ago, he wins Coach of the Year. You just talked about it. You just, you know, dateline the whole thing. Last year, they wanted to fire him. When I say they, I don't mean the Knicks, the media, the fans. He doesn't know what he's doing. Now, the Knicks are back on top, and he's a great coach again. How does that happen, Jeff? How do you go from being a great coach one month where fans want you fired the next? How ridiculous is that? Well, you don't go from being a great coach to not knowing. But, uh, you know, fans judge on results. They don't know necessarily what a coach uh, is doing, but they do know what the results are. And last year, I don't think anybody was happy with the results. The, the negative is 
when there becomes a groundswell like that, it can impact, uh, you know, weaker management teams. You know, they can try to appease fan bases by making a, a change that oftentimes is one that's trying to save their butt. So I'm glad that Leon Rose didn't give in to some of the most ludicrous calls for a coach's job. But, you know, Thibodeau's a great coach, and he has been uh, since he came in with Chicago to Minnesota to here in New York. And um, they have, you know, right now, to me, they have the pillar that you need, the pillars that you need. They have a a great coach and a great player in Jalen Brunson. That's how you go places mm-hmm. in the NBA. Agreed. Jeff Van Gundy, the great Jeff Van Gundy. You mentioned Randall. And this is just me, Jeff. I don't really like his game. I know he's a big-time scorer, multiple all-star, over 25 a game this year, had some monster efforts. But more than often, it may be my perception, he holds on to the ball too long, shot clock gets down to three, heaves up with three when it goes, and he scores 57, great. When it doesn't, the offense becomes stagnant. So for me, Jeff Van Gundy, talking about Tom Thibodeau, I loved what he did on Sunday, which was not put Randall back in the game. And I do believe the Knicks could be a really good basketball team without him. That's just me. What do you think as a coach? I think Randall had a a terrific regular season, uh, but he faltered in the playoffs two years ago against Atlanta. Uh, He's really played poorly so far in the first four games of this series. And so that's why I'm so surprised that the Knicks have been able to be uh, up three games to one. I think the decision not to insert him back in the fourth quarter, people in retrospect can say, oh, that was an easy decision. The team was playing well. Toppin was playing well. Randall wasn't. But if they don't win that game, and you know, certainly they could have lost the game down the stretch, keeping Toppin in the game, then everybody, those same people who are praising, you know, the fans that are praising uh, the decision made, would be how can you not go back to your star? Right. He, you know, he's an all-star. So, again, people that can play the results and wait for the results do. But in at five minutes and 21 seconds, there was a timeout, I believe. And to me, that was make or break. If you, if you put him back in, you do it now. If you don't, you ride Toppin all the way to the finish line. Uh, Tom decided to ride uh, Toppin to the finish line. And he rewarded his uh, confidence in him because I thought he was uh, really an undersold part of why they were able to win. Yeah, big offensive rebound. And I thought maybe Randall might get back at three minutes, too. But to your point, uh, Tibbs decided not to do it. So I'm talking to my friend Joe Beningo, Jeff, who you know very, very well. He's actually coming up next after you because Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets, and he's Mr. Jet guy. Beningo says to me last night, he goes, you know, Sid, he goes, Brunson, for all the – all the talk he gets here in New York, he's still underrated. And he said, I really believe he's the second-best Nick point guard ever next to Walt Clyde Frazier, and he's a winner and and really should be regarded not just an all-star this year. He was snubbed, but as one of the better players in the league, second-best Nick point guard ever. Does Jeff Van Gundy agree? I don't have them all on the uh, tip of my tongue right now, but I think um, – when you're talking about like Jalen, I think he has the potential to be, you know, a long time, long term, uh, great player with the Knicks. But this is his first season, and you just got to wait. To me, you got to be more patient with declarations like that. Joe, 
that's Joe's thing. He can make a, <laughs> uh, after 82 games, he can say second best. Hey, if he plays a half a season next year, Joe might have him, have him ahead of Frazier. So we'll see. Well, by the way, he does have you number three behind Holtzman and Wiley, I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. All right. Well. Now you like his picks, huh? He probably, no, no. Now he's got Thibodeau. Since they're up 3-1, he's got Thibodeau number one. He probably does. I got to ask him that. We also talked, uh, you know, you talked about Hart, obviously, uh, uh, the job that he's done coming off the bench, and he provides some incredible intangibles. But I have to tell you, where I really enjoy watching the Knicks, because I miss the big man, Jeff, and, of course, you had those great years with Patrick Ewing, and, yeah, it did kind of change in the late 90s, that 1919 that lost to San Antonio with Sprewell and those guys, and it was a little more run and gun than Ewing back in 94, let's say, against the Rockets. But I love this Robinson-Hartenstein combination with the Knicks. Again, I'm not sure they get enough credit. Those two together, especially Robinson on Sunday, they've been terrific. You're absolutely right. Uh, Robinson and Hartenstein together have given them 48 minutes of really good front court play. Robinson, his pick and roll defense has really improved over the years. uh, And that's imperative when you're playing against Garland and Mitchell. He does a terrific job of both playing the ball handler coming off the pick and roll and playing the roller. So, really improved. Hartenstein was awful defensively to start the year, has gotten much, much better, has good skill level on offense, and both of them have, like Hart, given the Knicks second shot opportunities time and time and time again. You know, the first shot offense for the Knicks has been mediocre because of Randall, Randall's poor play, and they, you know, they're, they're just not a good shooting team from three. So it's imperative that they've gotten those second shot opportunities. Mitchell set a great tone in the last two home games. You know, I look at this Nick team moving forward, Jeff, and you don't want to get too crazy, right? They didn't make the playoffs last year. And now we have all these designs on, on a huge season, but it is what it is. They're up uh, three games to one. That's a commanding lead. So we assume they get one more before Cleveland gets three more. Now the 76ers, swooped the, uh, they did sweep the Nets, a very good team. We know that. Boston, they're up three games to one. But the Knicks had great regular season success against the Celtics this year. And the Heat are beating Milwaukee 3-1 because there's no Giannis. So it's a very simple question. Am I deluding myself if I say if the Knicks move on, they got a real chance in the East? Or is that nuts? with teams like Boston and Philadelphia? Well, you're, you know, uh, the great Greg Popovich says uh, you can't skip steps. And you just skipped about ten of them. Uh, oh, I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So to get one more, like people think it's commanding, but really when you think about it, you know, Cleveland, they have game five at home. I would suspect most people would or Vegas would favor them. Then they have to come and win one road game in New York to get it back home for a seventh game. So when you're the home team or you know, you have the home court advantage and down three one, the path is, you know, far simpler. And I think, you know, the Knicks have a lot of work still yet to do against Cleveland. But obviously if Miami was to win, which is to me the same sort of situation as the Knicks are in, up 3-1, but going on the road. 
and they have, I think they have a really hard finish uh, of the Bucks. But let's just skip steps with you, Sid. Let's say both teams advance. Uh, certainly, I think to have the Knicks and the Heat in the second round of the playoffs would be just awesome. And the Knicks would have a chance. I don't think they have any chance in the playoffs against Milwaukee if Milwaukee's healthy because of Giannis and his domination. And, you know, obviously both Philly and Boston are better than the Knicks. So, but things happen in the playoffs. Injuries happen. Mm. And if the Knicks are able to advance and the Heat are able to advance, you know, thinking they would have a chance. They would. Yeah. How many times are you and Breen and Jackson going to show the uh, you and morning and all that stuff at the Knicks by the Heat in the next round? <laughs> Those are some great memories, man. I, I, listen, I, I wouldn't show it at all, cause, but, but I don't have to because I lived it. And I, I still plead temporary insanity. I didn't remember anything when I did it. And I, I try not to now because I look like a fool. Well, you know what's funny? You said it on Sunday. They showed one picture of you talking to the team. You know, I think I saw Charlie Ward in there and Larry Johnson and a bunch of Nick players, and you looked angry. And you said, you know, I picture myself as a much happier coach. And you guys probably all do that when the truth is during the, gra- during the game, you're all insane. You're, you're crazy people. Crazy people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I said that a bit tongue-in-cheek because Mark <laughs> always gets on me about having multiple personalities. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 You, you, are, you actually have a, a great personality, but you want to win. So that brings us to the conclusion of this conversation. But you can never end a Jeff Van Gundy conversation without with this question. And I know it's been like 30 years. <laughs> I mean, it's been a while since you've been a head coach in the NBA. Yet after the end of every regular season, if there's a vacancy... Jeff Van Gundy's name pops up. So, Jeff, are you returning to coach next year? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, no, not, not that I'm aware of. But, you know, coaching's always been like people when you talk about jobs, like do you want to coach? And it always is, you know, who you're working with and who you're working for. So, you know, if, if something ever uh, came up that made sense, I would love to coach again. Wow. But if not. I'm fine right where I'm at. Wow. That's a very honest answer. Listen, you've been great to me, not good to me, great to me over the years. I, You thoroughly entertain me with uh, Mike and, and Mark every time. You're terrific. And whatever you do, Jeff, be happy. You're a terrific guy. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you. You got it. Take care, guys. My man, Jeff Van Gundy, right there, sitting friends in the morning. That's, uh, that is a radical departure from what you'll hear most of the time on this station. And uh, WFN can't get him. Because he's an ESPN guy. He will not do FAN interviews. So I hope you enjoyed that one. Talking about FAN, my next guest is a legendary FAN guy. But believe it or not, as much as he loves the Knicks, the Rangers, the Mets, and the Jets, his new love is Donald Trump. So we'll split the time between Aaron Rodgers and Donald Trump with WFAN legend, my main man, Joe Beningo. He's coming up next. WABC. Entertaining and informative. This 
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Breaking news. Aaron Rodgers officially is being traded to the New York Jets. And it just came down moments ago in a trade involving six picks. Aaron Rodgers is going to the New York Jets. It's official. It is happening. Finally, after all this time, we've been waiting for this trade to happen. And now it is. And here are the details of the trade that just came down. The Jets are sending their first round pick this year, their second round pick this year. Well, hold on. Big swagoo. Hold on. Their second round pick next year. It's a conditional pick. They get back. They get back the Packers' first round pick this year and a fifth round pick. But the trade is coming down. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. It is official. The two sides are in agreement right now. And essentially, here are the terms of the trade that I can give you exactly as it stands. The Jets, and again, this is in real time, so it's coming in. Aaron Rodgers, pick number 15 in the first round. A 2023 fifth-round pick, number 170. The Packers get pick number 13. A 2023 second-round pick, number 42. The Jets' first-round pick, first pick in the second round. A sixth-round pick, number 207. A conditional 2024 second-round pick that becomes a one if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays this year. And so the trade that we've been waiting for finally has been agreed to. Aaron Rodgers is being sent to the Jets, and the Jets have a quarterback and the Packers have extra draft capital and extra draft ammunition. Hey, shut up, buddy. God, Adam Schefter, Jesus. All right, so he's a Jet. He's going to wear number eight. Namath said he could wear number 12. He said, no, thanks. I wear my college number, number eight. Aaron Rodgers is a Jet. How great was Jeff Van Gundy just now? You never hear Van Gundy on New York radio ever, but I got it done because I am a superstar. <laughs> so he, he yeah, almost but, said that too, actually. But I'm not Aaron Rodgers. My next guest is another superstar, my former uh, colleague, co-worker, and teammate, middays at WFAN, Mr. Jet. It ain't Fireman Ed. I just saw Fireman Ed on Fox Business. Be quiet and uh, no, rob the Jet no. man. Or, <laughs> Joe Beningo's the greatest Jet fan ever. Here he is, FAN legend Joe Beningo. Good morning, Joseph. Well, first of all, uh, let me say this: that, uh, uh, you know, a great. I don't know about that. I don't, you know, I, let's let's slow down with that. Number two, uh, I don't know if I'm the, you know, biggest or whatever greatest Jet fan, but I have the most pain of any Jet. Fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay? That, you do. But that, so when I asked you yesterday, we had a great right. conversation, and I said yesterday it, was a very rough day on a number of levels. Right, we'll get, we'll get to all of it. But when I say to you, because I said this morning, go Beningo is coming on, and for Beningo, the sky's always cloudy. It doesn't matter. Things are going well for the right. Mets and Knicks. It's always a disaster. It's always tragedy. It's always no good. And yet, Beningo told me yesterday the Knicks are right there, and I just had Van Gundy on. And you also told me, correct me if I'm wrong, that Aaron Rodgers to the Jets makes the Jets, at the very least, a Super Bowl contender. That's not the Joe Beningo I know. Well, here's the deal. Okay, now that they've made the Rodgers deal, and look, look, anybody that says they gave up too much, give me a break. They had to do it. Their backs were against the, uh, against the war. Where were they going? This was not that bad a deal as far as I'm concerned. The minimum I look, I'm looking at this sit as a two year window, okay? The minimum I accept this year is a division title and a home playoff game. Anything less than that is not good enough. I expect 13 and 4, 12 and 5, win the freaking division. By year two, I got to win it all. I got to win it all. Enough. Let's go. 
Well, I know you're closer to the Jet coach these days. He was on your yes. uh, podcast. In fact, I texted him a little bit yesterday. I know, I know. And he and he mentioned to me, just tell you quickly, he mentioned to me when I said just what I told you. I said I expect a division title and 13 and four, right? And he texted me back, and we win game one first. <laughs> we have to, we have listen, listen. We have to be focused on the moment. So I texted him back, Coach. I've been focused on the moment for the last 54 <laughs> freaking years. Okay. <laughs> When you look at the rest of this team, though, yes, and hopefully yes. that uh, the running back, the great rookie at Iowa State, yeah, if he comes back and he's got so the wide receiving core is great, this Garrett Wilson is as good as anybody in football. That's my opinion. You got a nice defense. If Rodgers has enough left in the tank, I don't think 12 and 5, 13 and 4 is out of the question. Look, I don't think Miami's going to be as good. You never know with Tua. You never know. Yep. Mac yep. Jones and the Pats, not the well, same. You know Mike White's going to play a lot in Miami. You know I Mike agree. White will play at well, least that's, one game against the well, Jets and beat them. That's, if, they don't, that that's if Tom Brady doesn't come out of retirement. He wants to play for the Dolphins. Who knows? Uh, could be Brady. That. But either way, they, they, they're going to beat Miami. They're going to beat New England. I think Josh Allen and the Bills showed to be a bit overrated last yes, year. No question. I don't think you're out of the I – think, I, I think it's, it's potentially possible. No, I don't look. I'm with you, man. They're better. It's fine. By the way, it's time to beat the Patriots like twice this year. And they're better than New England. They're better than Miami. And they're as good as Buffalo at least. And so there's no reason they cannot win the division. Yet you're when right. I said to you yesterday, 54 years of pain, and you're right, whether it's Rob or Fireman Ed or any one of these other Jet fans, you're known for the pain. You said to me, and if I'm wrong again, correct me, you would rather endure. You would rather endure more jet pain if it means yes. Donald Trump winning the presidency in 2024. Is that not true? No question about it. <laughs> it's not even close. Really? It's not even close. Not even close. As a matter of fact, I, I have a very. Let me just point it out. I have a very bad stomach. I have tremendous stomach issues. You know, I got a, a hernia in my stomach. All this. I haven't had a drink in about ten years because of that. Okay. If Big Don. And if I ever met him, I would have to say, Mr. President, can I call you Mr. Big Don? Because I have to. Okay? I would say if Big Don wins the presidency in 2024, it can only, please God, let it happen. I will, the next day, I will go to uh, probably Biagio's in Paramus and sit down and have a double <laughs> beef eater martini. Well, only Trump. And there's only one other occasion that would happen, and that would be a Jets Super Bowl. What, what if DeSantis wins? Uh, I would probably then have a uh, Stoli Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, yesterday you were high on Rodgers and the Jets, and you did say this to me. I just hung up with uh, Jeff Van Gundy. We had a great yeah. conversation. You you did say to me, you think the Knicks are right there, right there. The Knicks are quite. And how about this, bro? Miami beat one again. I know. Miami's up 3-1 on Milwaukee. We may be looking at a Nick Heat second-round series. Knicks can I'm win that. You, the Knicks are a very close to a championship team. They are not far away. They're loaded, bro. They got a lot of guys on this team. Jalen Brunson has turned everything around. I, I, I didn't think this guy was this good. This guy's the best point guard they had since Clyde Frazier. Better than Derek Harper, better than Doc Rivers, better than Michael Ray Richardson. This guy is unbelievable how good he is. Josh Hart's been phenomenal. R.J. Barrett, I mean, he gave you the last two games in the Garden. He's been terrific, especially game four. He was unbelievable going to the basket all day long. Uh, you know, the rim protectors with Robinson and, and uh, Isaiah Hartenstein. I mean, you know, you got quickly off the bench, OB Toppin. Forget even Randall. Randall, please. You know, Julius Randall never saw a bad shot he wouldn't take. I mean, let's be honest. 
You know what I mean? And the guy's always crying. He's always getting teased and all. I would trade Randall. If I could get Randall out of here, I would. They Me don't too. need him to win. Yep. This team is very close. They really are. You think Jalen Brunson's a better point guard than Edmund Sherrod? Uh, it's close. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe he's right on the level of, of, of God sham God. Oh, God. Rory Sparrow? Uh, no, I'm with you. This is a really talented and deep and good basketball team, and Tibbs has done a uh, terrific job. Right. I, I said to Van Gundy, I said, Beningo and Pete Morgan is sitting here as my witness. Say hello, Pete. Hey, Joe. Pete, how are you? The great Pete Morgan? Yes. Are you spoilers? Yes. So I go to oh, Van Gundy. God, I, I go. I go. I go. Uh, Van Gundy, Beningo said to me, that um, Brunson's the second best point guard ever, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he goes, well, that's what Joe does. I said, well, just so you know, Jeff, he also said, after Holtzman and Riley, you're next. <laughs> he said, yeah, but let's be honest, the Knicks are one series win away from Thibodeau moving ahead of me. Now, is that true? Are you that fickle, Joe? No, he's not. No, no, he doesn't go ahead of He's got a little while to go to get ahead of Van Gundy. I'll say that. Is that is that the order, though, Holtzman one, Riley two, Van Gundy three? I guess it has to be, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. there's nobody else in there. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah. That's so you're also – Let me give Mike Woodson. He, yeah, he did Wood, a real good Woodson job. did a good job. Woodson yeah. was a good coach for, for the Knicks. Yeah. But th- that's what it is. It's definitely uh, Red and then Pat, no doubt. You were also very upset yesterday that Tucker Carlson got fired. Oh, uh, what a disgrace. I mean, you know, let me tell you, I'm done with Fox News. Now, I have not put it on this morning. I would not watch it. Your buddy Kilmeade, he'd give me a break. That guy, too, I'd love to sit down and talk to Kilmeade. I got a lot to say. What do you mean? He's a good kid, Brian Kilmeade. Oh, come on, Joe. My wife has deleted the app she had on the phone for Fox. She's she's now put the Newsmax app up. Let me tell you this. What? Rupert Murdoch. Say that again. Your beautiful wife took took down Fox News. Rupert Murdoch caved to the left to the Democrats. You know, Chuck Schumer came out and made that comment, you know, after, you know, when Tucker put on the stuff about January 6th and how Rupert Murdoch, he's already said it was was false. He's got to not let him come on tonight. Well, freaking Rupert Murdoch caved, caved to the Democrats. So where is all the free speech, all this nonsense that Fox gives me about free speech and this and that, right? All of this crap, you know, Brett Baer, well, you know, fair and balanced oh, and all this nonsense. No, I right? agree. Yeah, Brett Baer's the worst. Of, they get rid of the premier voice, okay, the yeah. premier media voice when it comes to conservative politics. How do you freaking do that? That was a joke, bro. So joke. is it fair to say that your beautiful wife, Terry, is going to take down the life-size poster of Sean Hannity from above the bed and put Greg Kelly up there instead? Sean Hannity, let's be honest. <laughs> Sean Hannity's a little, he's a little wishy-washy. Yeah, he's Sean a little Hannity. wishy-washy. Yeah, he's no well, good either. I mean, let me ask you this question. Is Jesse Waters, I know he's on maternity leave. He's milking it like crazy. But Jesse Waters, is he coming back? Yes, I he's coming back. they don't even let him come back. No, I'm on his show May 6th. Of course he's coming back. Of course. I'm on once a month. Is Laura, is Laura Ingram safe or no? I don't even know who she is. <laughs> Nobody watches TV at 10 o'clock at night. Will you well, stop I mean, it? I, I occasionally I do watch Laura. She's you know, fine. After, She's... I watch, after I watch one of my teams lose, I, no. I go right to Laura Ingram. I, I don't know. Look, I, I, what a disgrace. I, I was no, I, uh, the Rangers. Are... <laughs> what a disgrace. Can they show up? Can, how about how about how about Artemi Panarin actually put in the pocket? What, in that? How about Zabinajad cut your hair and score a goal? My oh, God, Zabinajad, please! What a disgrace! Hey, let me say this: 
the coach was dead on. No show performance. Not only last night, but the night before. Yeah. You think they could maybe win a face-off every now and then? It'd be in nice. The zone? You think that's freaking possible? I, I don't know. How no, it's about, not. How no. about getting into no. the zone? I, I thought I, I was watching Stevens and Niedermeyer. <laughs> <laughs> I know the Devils by the trap hunt. This guy no. I never heard of, this goalie Schmidt or whatever the hell his name is, he all of a sudden he's Martin Brodeur. I know. If yeah. they lose this series, it is a disaster. Uh, they bring in Kane. They bring in Tarashenko. Yeah. Give me a break. What yeah. a disgrace. It was just, Bro, well, well, you, you, you've they used to win this series. Yeah. They better freaking win this series. Benigo, you've used the word disgrace now a couple of times during this conversation. But there's what? a lot to be. There's a lot of disgrace. Well, what's the big? Right what now? is the biggest disgrace of all? All of it. Uh, the uh, the uh, Tucker. government. Yeah. Right. right now, the biggest disgrace of everything is the people running our country into the ground. You want to know what the biggest disgrace is? That's the biggest disgrace. That. Joe Biden? He, oh, please. What a, is, he, is he announcing he's going to run again? He already he did. did. I already played the video. Oh, he did it already? Three I minutes, missed it. Yeah, three minutes long. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah, of course, he did it on tape. God forbid right. he does it live, he did, right? he, did, he did mention the fact in those three minutes that he can't understand why the Rangers can't win a face-off in the opposing yeah, zone. He knows from the rain. He knows as much about the Rangers. You know, <laughs> let, don't even get me started. You know what I mean? As I, as I know about oil in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Give me a break. In fact, I probably know more than Joe does. Yeah, you probably know. Well, listen, uh, here's my proposal because i got to run. Uh, what I, yeah, what I want you to do is come on the show with me every Monday morning during football season. But not just that. Because you become so politically astute, and I mean this, I'm, I'm being completely serious, and I think you're oh, I great. I appreciate that, bro. How could you not be? With the state of the country, well, you better be on top of what's well, going you on. You should be. So my proposal to John and Chad is football Mondays, Sid and Beningo after Jets and Giants, and either Saturday or Sunday, Beningo talks politics. What do you think? Well, I, I will, we'll have to sit down and discuss that. All well, right? Pete, Pete said he'll sponsor it. He's sitting right next to me. So. Jeez, already. Pete, Pete, you're, spo- Pete, you're sponsoring this? Is, yeah. that a, is that a given? He's already hit me up about ten times this morning. <laughs> Did he? And for months ahead of what time. You, Pete, are you co-hosting now? I mean, what the, what's going on here? <laughs> I, no, he, I was at the game last no, night. No, but he, when the Rangers so play at home, he has an apartment in the city right nearby. Well, at least, so, hey, hey, at yeah. least Pete showed up for the game last night. <laughs> That's, That's, <right>. job, <laughs> yeah. That's why I can't speak today. I was screaming. Yeah. I, I understand. Well, you were brilliant again, Joseph. Thank you so much for hopping on this morning. We'll I love you. The, we'll talk off the air about this deal, uh, deal set, all right? All right. We'll talk off the air. There he is, everybody. The iconic, the legend, the great Joe Beningo. We'll come back and wrap things up with the terrific New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin right after these words. Talk Radio's. 77 WABC. Well, let's do it. I'm running short on time here, and I love Michael Goodwin. What a great columnist, New York Post, and uh, an even better radio guest. His latest column reads, Biden's corrupt web unraveling before our eyes. But before that, I want to get to uh, a picture I saw last night on Fox News of my friend, the mayor, Eric Adams, with uh, Chuck Schumer and a bunch of Chinese guys, one of which was arrested a couple of weeks ago. He was the guy that set up that illegal police station here in New York. Turns out that guy gave money to Hochul and Adams, and now Hochul and Adams said, well, we didn't know, and you know what, we're going to take, we're going to give the money back, we're going to donate the money. They're saying all the right things today. But my question to you, Michael, is do you believe him? <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Chad. You, you know, if uh, 
If politicians were more discriminating in who they take money from, I think they wouldn't get much money. Uh, True. So this is the habit, right? If you want to give to them and, and you're not in federal prison at that moment, uh, <laughs> they'll take the money. And even if you are in federal prison, they'll think about it. You know, Adams has come under so much fire here uh, as of late. And even here, you know, they, my listeners, of course, know, Michael, that I've forged his friendship. And although it's been kind of icy the last three or four weeks, he is set to come on later on this week. Uh, Eric, make his return to the program. But it's been icy because a lot of things of late I don't like. Now, I do like the fact he gave the cops a raise. It's a minimal raise, but it's still a raise, and it angered AOC, and that makes me happy. What about you? Well, look, uh, I think that's a good example of the problems that he faces from the left, that uh, anything with the police to them is evil. Uh, They they think that uh, the best world is one where we don't have police or or we have a minimal police presence. And the rest of us on this planet know that's insane, that you need more police in New York City. You need to take the handcuffs off the police and put them on the bad guys. And Eric Adams, I think, has always tried to straddle that divide within the party. And I think it's the wrong approach. I mean, I understand the need to count votes at the end of the day, but I think what people want out of their elected officials is energy, is decisiveness, is a a pattern of results, not sporadic, but a a consistent push in a direction that leads to something. They want guts. They want courage. They don't want milk toast. And I think that the mayor is trying excuse me Pleasant. trying to straddle this line between the progressives and his own instincts which of course he wasn't he was a member of the police department for 22 years so he knows what crime does to neighborhoods i wish he would sort of take the handcuffs off himself and be more vigorous in this fight because you know, a, a mayor, a governor, a president, they're also educators in the sense of teaching the public values about what matters and how things work. And and I think that there are too many New Yorkers, you know, who are sort of flirting with the AOC idea that the police are bad, the fewer police, the better. Why should we pay them so much? I mean, it's crazy yeah. what the police have to endure. And I, and I think the the mayor should stand up more vocally for these officers. I agree. Biden's corrupt web unraveling before our eyes. Didn't stop Joe Biden from presenting, which I played on this show this morning, this three-minute swill that he is once again running for president of the United States. Nothing stops him. It doesn't matter what we know about him, his brother, his son. It's all good because no matter what he's done, he can probably find something that Trump did worse. So uh, Joe Biden's good to go. We're going to run again, even though, like you talk about in this column, the House now mostly Republican by a very, 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 very slim margin seems to be on this, I guess, this, uh, I don't know, they want to go out and get him. They want to go out and get him. Uh, Kevin McCarthy and his group, they want to find a way to get Joe Biden. The question is... Will they get it done? It's a crusade, basically. Well, look, I think it's a crusade based on evidence. And I think there's plenty of evidence. And this, of course, goes back to the 2020 election, the Hunter Biden laptop stories that the New York Post did first and that were suppressed. Uh, 
when you think about it, Sid, how remarkable it is that here we are in 2023, and we have just learned that the letter uh, signed by the 51 former intelligence officers suggesting, not saying, but suggesting the Post stories were a form of Russian disinformation. Uh, how, how remarkable it is we're just now learning that the Biden campaign was behind the letter. That the, that the Biden campaign contacted um, one of the signers, said, what do you make of all this? From that comes the letter. The Biden campaign was involved in distributing the letter signed by these 51 people, none of whom saw the laptop, by the way. Uh, they, but they said what they said because they wanted Joe Biden to win. And, and as I said in my column, you know, Tony Blinken, who's the secretary of state, then in the campaign, is the one who instigated this. <laughs> and the, the 51 federal or former federal intelligence officers, they have great credibility because of their public service, because they have a uh, clearance for security matters. And so the public assumes that they know what they're talking about. Well, it was all a lie. They didn't know what they were talking about. And you have what I think here is a great example of how the deep state works, that you have these former government employees using their credibility, <clears throat> working with the presidential campaign, and then feeding it to a Washington Post reporter who presumably will ask no questions before publishing it. So that's how the deep state works. And they actually succeeded in influencing the campaign because polls have shown that enough people, some, in some cases 17, 18 percent of Biden voters, said they would not have voted for him had they known the truth about the laptop. That would have been more than enough to swing the election to Donald Trump. And yet it goes on. This goes on as though it's just sort of a routine thing. And I think that, to me, is a mark of how far off the beam we are. The Democrats in control of Congress never would have come up with this. They never would have pursued this. They're not curious about anything that would hurt Joe Biden. But this is a significant thing. This is the intelligence agencies, the former leaders of the CIA and others, uh, using their reputations and their security clearance credibility to tip a presidential election. I mean, that should make all of us furious. That is stealing the votes. That's uh, a big deal. You're right. No doubt about it. That is stealing the votes. And that has been Donald Trump's contention from day one. Again, the column reads, Biden's corrupt web unraveling before our eyes on the day he announces he's running again. Mike, you're a great columnist. You're brilliant here. I love having you on. Keep writing. Keep talking. As always, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Sid. Thank Mine you. Too. Thank you. You're great. Michael Goodwin, folks. One piece of uh, entertainment news. Harry Belafonte, the great Harry Belafonte, just died. He was 96 years old. We'll come back and wrap it up right after this. Take